Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. I'm Kevin. And I'm Daniel. And today is July 14th, so if you're hearing it later, we're time travelers, or you're the time traveler. I'm not sure how that equates out, or shakes out. But thanks for listening. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're with us today, I guess you obviously have survived yeah. Friday the 13th, so My happy God. day to you. Happy day to you. You are the final survivor. All of your friends gone. Sorry about that. Your shirt is in the mail. Your shirt is in the mail. <laughs> it's a size small. Because <laughs> it's part of a project to get rid of all of your old clothing. <laughs> Couldn't find a Goodwill. <laughs> Sir, what have you been playing uh, these last... Because we when's the last time we posted an episode? Two weeks ago? Um, two, yeah, two. a week to two weeks ago. It hasn't been that long, actually. 1.6... <laughs> One week, six days ago? We are, as you have said, the only weekly podcast. That's that bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. Correct. So we have to stay consistent with that, at least. Yes, indeed. Because um, nothing else will be. I feel like I've been playing a dearth of shit, though, in that time. Um, wow, I really, really love dearth of shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's... I Honestly, I thought J.R.R. was, like, just speaking through you. Yeah. <laughs> By proxy. Crazy, dude. Okay, go ahead. Oh, my God. So I've been playing a lot of games um, all over the map, really. Uh, two on my Switch, two on my PlayStation. Um, yeah, it's been a good time. So I've been playing... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You okay. love yeah, you go love ahead. the that? See, that's, I'm I dynamic. Love... I have a lot of dynamism here. I understand. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> but um so because that's what i love about you like if you had a family member that just like was like hey what have you been up to danny yeah danny boy uh, no he doesn't like that, do that like just grabs you on the fucking cheek and mm-hmm. just like hey what, what have you been up to the last few years and right. you're just like well i've just been playing two games on the switch <laughs> uh, two games on the PlayStation. <laughs> it's been a good time yeah <laughs> listen i'm keeping it real Tell me about your games. So, in honor of the month of July and this mm-hmm. event going on called uh, JRPG July, trending on, uh, I guess, Twitch and Twitter. Is that the hash? The that hashtag? is the hashtag, hashtag uh, JRPG July. Don't make me say it a third time because I might actually okay. fuck it up. Okay. Um, but I saw it trending on Twitter. I was like, cool, I kind of want to participate in this. Um, I only have a few RPGs on my PlayStation, and most of them are like Western American RPGs. So I was like, okay, what do I have that's like. A, which ones? The Witcher? Uh, I don't even have The Witcher installed, but like, you know, the Fallout. Skyrim? Skyrim, yeah. Stuff like that. So okay. I was like, what do I have? I was like, I have Final Fantasy twelve, and, you know, great game, mind you, but I was like, I don't really want to play that. So I was like, okay, I downloaded Final Fantasy nine back in December, got on the Lolo, like 10, 15 bucks thereabouts, and uh, I hadn't played it, heard they brought trophies to it, so I was like, all right, let me fucking give it a fair shake. And I thought it would be a cool <laughs> thing to like, you know, just play all my sessions with it on uh, Twitch, get a whole catalog of it going. Daniel, and- what's your Twitch? Uh, DungeonsAndDaniels.com. Thank cool. you for asking. No um, I don't think it's .com, but, you know, if you know it's Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash Dungeons, Dungeons and whatever you said. There we go. Um, so I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy IX on there, doing something I haven't quite done yet uh, on this nostalgia run, and it is... Uh, What's that? Renaming my characters ridiculous things. Oh, you kept the original names when you did it? Um, typically in the past, like when I go back through, um, I don't know, when I replay a game, whether it's Final Fantasy X or anything i usually stick to the names like i'll stick to my yunas okay my cheetahs keeping it close to the you know, source material i got res- my Renoas. respecting the creative vision i got you but this time i'm like let's fucking you know zidane of final fantasy 9 the titular oh. character of final fantasy 9 i love he, the way you say titular he is uh full of monkey business because he's a monkey and i'm like you know what this stream should be as bananas as it could be so i'm like i'm gonna rename characters wow, i'm gonna go all out 
Um, and I started with him because he's the first character. I named him Joe Young because they only give you eight characters to work with. When I saw this, because <laughs> I saw you uh, twitching or yeah. <laughs> streaming, I was twitching. Will. All right. Uh, I, I walked in. I was like Joe Young. I, I mistook it for the film Joe Meet Black. Joe Black, yeah. <laughs> starring Brad Pitt. And I was like, <laughs> I was like Brad Pitt, and then I kind of saw it because I was like, yeah, Zidane's hair does kind of look uh, '90s Brad Pitty. So yeah, my dude's doing a callback, and so I felt like a fool when I commented on that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, no, Mighty Joe Young, the movie where you know there's this monkey. I don't have to go into the backstory of it, but I thought it'd be funny because you know, are you sure? Yeah, you sure, it'd be funny. <laughs> Zidane's half monkey, so you know, I was like, all right, I'll roll with it. And then from there, I just fucked with some of the other names, like uh, you know, Vivi the Little Black Mage. His yeah. name, his name is Small Bean. Because he's a tiny... Small bean, He's huh? a tiny black bean. Gotcha. Uh, I named him Nick. Nick? Yeah. Okay. That's just pretty simple. Yeah. It's a good good small I would do in. that, because I would just name them after characters from the Lost World Jurassic Park when mm-hmm. I first played Final, Final Fantasy IX, because mm-hmm. that was intrinsic to the time period of okay. me playing JRPGs for the first time. That's so funny. So I named the main character uh, Zidane. I named him uh, Ian, after Ian Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Vince Vaughn's character, who yeah. I, in my mind, has somehow assimilated them as friends, because I would like r- draw little cartoons about them being friends. So I would... I would just name everything in every video game based off of, like, the Lost World Jurassic Park. That's awesome. I'm about that. So Nick is short for Nick Van Owen, played by Vince Vaughn. (laughs) I did a lot of this. That's very cool. I did. Uh, Like, old people would be John Hammond. (laughs) Like, if there was, like, an older character in, like, in a game that you could name or some shit. Yeah. But, like, Hammond doesn't fit, so you have to be, like, Ham. (laughs) <laughs> if i couldn't do just yeah. john hammond no yeah. just J- hammy. J. ham just hammy uh so i've been playing a lot of final mm-hmm. fantasy 9 i'm about uh six and a half hours in across my two twitch playthroughs having a really great time with it it's a nice nostalgic walk through that park uh and i'm really it. enjoying it yeah the, all of it's great the remaster design of it the sound design uh all sounds immaculate yeah it was great it, it was it was definitely a throwback for me because i i told you earlier that's my first Final Fantasy. Part 9 was the first one I ever played. That mm-hmm. got me into the series. And then I went to 8, yeah. which is my goddamn favorite. I know people get a face mm-hmm. when I say things like that. But there is a groundswell for fans of 8. Thank you very much. Yeah. I've seen them on Twitter. They're small, but they're vocal. They're there. They're vocal. They're there. Uh, and then, you know, I, you know, I played 10 and I played a few of the others. Uh, 15, just ranking up there for me, man. Mm-hmm. And not even based off of the game's design. Just just the feeling of being with the boys. That's all that really matters. In that there's one. some. There's the atmosphere of that game that always wants me to go back to it. Can you tell me about the other RPG that you're playing? Um, sure. So I, um, I'll get back to that at another point. This is an interview. The saga way. of Joe Young will continue. Um, otherwise, I've been playing a demo <laughs> by the name of Yeah, good Project Octopath Traveler. I think it actually came out this week. It might have come out. I think out. it came out today. It came out today or yesterday. It might have come out on the 13th. Or yesterday, yeah. Um, but I was like, you know, it's about time that I, I jump into this because I'm very interested in checking that game out and really getting into uh, w- the world that they've created there. Um, I'm so far, I would say like 40 minutes into it. Um, <laughs> so a good shake, huh? No, not very far at all because a lot of it so far has been like just... <laughs> Dialogue. Know, it's a like lot that. of dialogue. Like forty minutes for a, a JRPG is just like yeah. you are in the f- like the first half of the first tutorial, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the case in point, Final Fantasy thirteen. You didn't get out of the tutorials until the fiftieth hour. So I'm they fearful. They of that. didn't trust you with the rest of the game no. until that point. But to all that to say, it is a three hour demo. So there, you, I imagine you're getting a fair shake of it once you get out of that opening area. 
the starting area is you have the continental map of the world that Octopath takes place in. You have the eight characters, and you basically choose them by like going to that part of the globe and being like, oh, regionally, this person's from here. Let me read their backstory. And each character, as it's been advertised, they all have different classes and jobs. Um, and the way they interact with the world is kind of based off of that. So my character, uh, Ophelia, I think her name is, she is a cleric summoner. She works for like this sort of like Southern... Uh, oh, no, sorry, it's more Northern because she's from like the Aizen wildlands. Um, but she's a summoner for the church. And uh, one of her passive abilities is that she can basically... Uh, convince people to join her cause, and in doing that, they will be in your party when you're out in like the world fighting and stuff like that. Mm, so that seems touchy. Uh, yeah, I I haven't gotten into it too much. I'm interested to see how her class plays out. And doesn't uh, doesn't sound like Ophelia's big on consent. Uh huh. She asked first. Oh, she asked to join yeah. my cause, and they have to be of the appropriate level. But. Okay, yeah. so it's not like a skill where it's just like some submit. <laughs> no, I, I think once you max it out, you probably could get it to final submission. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's yeah. neat so far. It's got a charm to it. I love the music, uh, very orchestral, uh, old Final Fantasy inspired. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then the art design, uh, the backgrounds, and even the the designs of the sprites they're they're cool looking. It's got a good, good feel to it. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to jump to buy it. I need to like shake out the rest of the demo, but I'm interested. It's got a very cool vibe to it. I like that it harkens back, but it's not like completely uh, a one for one of a SNES RPG experience. Like it, the way that you move around in the world when I was like watching the demo, it it looks fast. I like the way that the, the backgrounds like kind of when you navigate, like move with you and shit. Mm. That's really cool. I, I enjoy that. And I like what, what I'm keep on hearing is that there isn't like kind of a final boss or any kind of like common, I would say, uh, common cause or common aggressor that they band together for like the, each uh, characters because the different like uh, storylines are very much they don't have very much overlap I'm, I'm hearing it has like yeah. pretty much no overlap you were telling me that and I was like oh that's kind of interesting I was hoping right. that there would be some narrative intersection at some point and I'm sure it happens you might tenuously hear these other characters names because mm-hmm. um, I imagine you do travel past the areas that you start in but so. but uh I've only like read a little bit about it, but I hear there's also some sort of final dungeon that kind of ties together a lot of the lore mm-hmm. elements of the rest of the game, but not necessarily the character threads. So yeah. I would be interested in like getting to that point for sure. I, what is striking me about the conversation around this game is that a lot of people are just like, I'm not a big fan of these types of games, and I am really into this game yeah. based off of what I've played. So, I hear it's incredibly yeah. accessible. Uh, I like that. And for I like me, I, I love that I'm doing the JRPG July thing because I have the juxtaposition of yeah. the old classic, like Final Fantasy IX is from like 2000. So to see that caliber, that that transition game from PlayStation One to PlayStation Two, and mm-hmm. like the standard it's set, like whether it's music or special effects or FMVs, all that, against what Octopath is trying to jump off of and do something new with, it's it's really neat. Yeah, it's very cool. And it forces me to use my Switch, which I like it when games do that. I'm going to be honest, like, <laughs> we've been getting a lot of Switch play mm-hmm. lately, and I feel like that one is perfect, because I initially... Ooh, can we call it something uh, else? <laughs> <laughs> would you like to see my Switch? I would like to see a Switch. Um, so I was originally playing it on the TV, and I was like, I kind of want to play it in bed. And, like, it is the perfect handheld game. I could understand now why people were into the Vita in the PSP. God, fucking so. talking about Switch play and playing in bed. Yeah. Jesus, dude. Okay, no. cool, cool, cool. So the other thing that I've been playing mm-hmm. uh, since we're on the Switch topic is... Uh, you have another Switch game that you're playing? Goodness, you're getting some a lot of Switch play. I told you, two on the PlayStation, two on the Switch. That's true. Ooh, uh, I don't listen. Yeah, get, <laughs> center yourself with me. You're right. Save roommates. 
He lost his way. He's coming back to me. Drift compatibility. Bum, bum, bum. So the other game I've been playing, because uh, it came out in the, the heat of E3, and everybody was talking about it, uh, mm. is Team Cherry's Hollow Knight. Uh, yes. I just, I heard a lot of great shit about it. I think me somebody too. over at Waypoint or IGN or one of the big sites was talking about it. And I was like, I need to know. I need to feel it. Because, like... <laughs> Such conviction around video games in the with the media types. Yeah. I think it's... Is it Kirk <laughs> Hamilton? Yeah. I think he was talking about his experience with it. And he mm. posted, like, his 50-plus hours that he, he sat down with it. And I was like, that sounds remarkable. Like, I love the Metroidvania... Um, genre we both do sir. we do yeah we've played like some of my favorites castlevania games sundered oh sundered, sundered. actually this game reminded me of sundered mm. in a lot of ways yeah it yep. does yep yep um but from what i was seeing like i was like i love the music of it the the level design the the character design like mm-hmm. it's all so unique looking yeah it's uh, and every every what is it every enemy is totally like bug insect style yes oh it's okay because I, I believe your character... That's a problem for me. You is a little... Feel, you know how I feel about the bugs, sir. Does it bug you out? If there's anything roach-like in the game, yeah, it's not going to be a good time. <laughs> uh, I, I get would... a little jittery. My insides get a little jittery. You know that feeling where it's just like, oh, I don't want this. <laughs> I don't feel so good. Yeah. And then your mouth opens up and just cockroaches flood. What the, the fuck? Face. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Can you check yourself before you vomit out such horrid, horrid nightmare speak? Listen, Jesus, dude. Don't walk me to the bridge if you don't want me to jump. I don't want to have to do another take of this podcast, dog. <laughs> really don't. Okay, I've been playing a little bit of it, too, because yeah. um, I've been on this serious, serious Souls kick, which we'll get into a second. And uh, although this game, like, uh, come on, it's not a one-for-one one of Souls. It is a 2D Metroidvania, but it has that same concept of, like, death being an interplay yes. of how you, like, upgrade yourself and such, I believe. Or, I mean, that currency, I actually haven't even gotten that far to know. No, because you do with that currency? You're about, what, like, an hour into it, you could say? Yeah, I have I have not had a fucking I think minute to myself, yeah. I bought it last Sunday, and I've, I've been bringing it to work with me, actually. So on my, my 30s, I'll play it for a little bit, or I'll play it in bed, or I'll play it on my TV. Like, I've... And any single way I could play this game, I've been doing that. And um, I've put probably five hours into it over the course of all of that. And yeah, those those souls do play away. I, I wouldn't agree that it's totally Souls-like because it is, it's Metroidvania. I think the only Souls mm. comparisons that can be made is like the boss fights, the way you have to approach them. It's right. just tactical. Gotcha. Um, which I don't think tactical does needs to be relegated to Souls-like every time. Um, but the idea of dying and but having there's, to... there's an entire twitter account <laughs> about like when somebody somebody makes like some fucking article or a comment about like uh burnout is the dark souls of <laughs> racing games like all they do is like they screen cap it and they go no it isn't <laughs> i love them shout out to that twitter account I, i'm sorry i forget their name but overcooked please. is the is the souls born of cooking games yeah sure. exactly sure sure um yeah. but no well, so i would say just in the is. In, in the thought that, like, you have to go back after you die to the spot where your body was, where you were killed, to retrieve your experience. That's, like, the only mechanic. That's, that's that, really it. That's from Souls And games, I think yeah, it sure. does something fresh with that. Is when you go back to that spot, you actually have to fight, like, your shadow or your corpse. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I like that, yeah. actually. Yeah, you whack them, like, two times and get all your shit back. Yeah. That was cool. But so, I, I haven't had enough time to really, like, be like, this is what this game is yet for me. But from what I've seen, I'm really digging it. So... Um, like and, I said, oh, 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 and it's only fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's too only cheap. Fifteen bucks, and it's it's really a great experience if you like those those genre of games. So well worth picking up. But I would say That's as a, a save me- room, big value, right? Big value, save room, great. Put it on the board. <laughs> Add to cart. 
Note to self, get aboard. Um, so I think in the Metroidvania department, it's a it's a success. Um, I love... Can I work there? <laughs> can I work at the Metroidvania department, Daniel? Uh, I can forward you to Lucille. She'll, she'll have a, a spot for you. By the oh, end thanks, of the month. dude. Yeah. Oh, I'm nervous. Um, but I love the design of the world it's it's very mystical to me like it's a weird fantasy world Getting uh, that mysticism, like huh? you start off at the top layer i guess of the top of the soil and then you go down and down into this like hollow crest area they call it mm. um it's like this bit long buried village and from there it just branches off underground in the crazy like channels and you just find other levels and other worlds um it's intensely uh harrowing at times navigating your way through some of that stuff and then having to navigate your way back at times to go back to get mm-hmm. your souls again. But um, I do see what you're talking about because, yeah. like, I remember that's kind of a slog yeah. to get through because of the nature of it. Like, where you're going down, like, three or four fucking levels mm-hmm. of maps just to go back to where you died. And if on the way you just die again, it's so... I would say there are things that can mitigate that. Like, you have a fast travel system. There's, like, a beetle, an uh, express beetle you can get on the back. I haven't gotten to this fast yeah, travel so shit. there's fast travel, what? and then the benches you can use just to save, and that kind of gives you a jumping point of, like, okay, well, if I died over there, at least I saved here now. Um, but So it's a little intense, and if you don't have a, a map for an area, it makes it hard to navigate um, because there are icons on the maps. It's very well fleshed out, and it makes it a lot more easier to navigate. Okay, I was here. I need to be here now. Mm-hmm. So it's... It is as challenging as I think people are saying. So wait, about it. are you saying the map system in Hollow Knight is the Dark Souls of maps? <laughs> <laughs> I would wager to say yeah. yes. God damn. No, sorry, that was uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Put that on the box. Oh yeah, you were you were absolutely right. <laughs> Those maps and navigating them were. We just should go back. By terrible. the way, I don't I don't want to derail you, but sure. we should go back to Final Fantasy Fifteen after all these updates. I was thinking that have about happened because we haven't played it like in a year. When the two year mark comes, we'll do it. Two-year mark, yeah. revisit Final Fantasy yeah. 15. We're going home see, with the boys. See if they fix the map. The car is not stupid. Yeah. Let's see like how much integration uh, of, of these feature sets did they add to it. I'm way excited for it. We should do a documentary series. <laughs> I think we have enough footage from our gameplay of Final Fantasy 15 the first time when we, when we ran through to get the Platinum. We played so much of it. I know. God, and I wasn't even streaming back then. Unfortunately, maybe I should do that for JRPG Month. Anyway, do something. Yeah, I want to. I want to see you on there because, like you said, you were <laughs> yeah. gonna do Final Fantasy IX had I not done it, and you're like, oh, you did it now. Yeah, I kind of. I'm just like, eh. And for- also, super easy to say that even if I didn't intend to, because you already did it. Yeah, it's just easy to lie to you, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get away with it pretty often. I do, but let me tell you about what I've been up to because sure. I have been taking advantage of that fucking mid sale summer sale the midsummer sale the mid the mid sale summer sale shakespeare psn shakespeare presents a yeah summer sale playstation store they have a bunch of games that are pretty fucking cheap yeah. including so i've been on this war path of getting souls <laughs> games yeah. uh because i got the platinum for bloodborne i bought dark souls remastered like okay that's actually what that's what started it instigated yeah. this whole obsession this, if you this... trace it back to like i think it's episode 30 or episode 29 <laughs> that's where we open this floodgate Exactly. When I picked up Dark Souls Remastered, I was playing that and I was like, I like this, this is fine, but they didn't do enough to like add quality of life features to the game mm-hmm. that are present in like even Dark Souls 2 and, you know, obviously 3 because that's the latest one. But it's like just simple shit like how you interact with ladders. Uh, the rest of the games, it's like I can press down on the stick on mm-hmm. a ladder and hold circle and slide down no fucking problem. Yeah, or easy peasy. press up and hold circle and fucking do a little quicker little shuffle up that ladder. Hmm. You know, it's just it's quality of life feature. Yeah. But Dark Souls Remastered retained how it worked in the original. Which it's stubbornness. Is, which is you cannot do anything to the joystick. Don't touch it. Don't even touch it, Daniel. Let go of the joy. Your left thumb, pretend it was never there, Marty Mc... 
fly style disappeared, okay? And then you hold circle and your guy will slide. (laughs) (laughs) But if you do anything else, he will refuse to slide. And then that led me to the impression of like, there's no quick slide feature. And people are like, there is, but you got to work for it. You got to work for it. (laughs) Wow. So that's when I was just like, I'm going to go back to Bloodborne. (laughs) And well, that, no, and that left me on the path to get the it was and Bloodborne. it was that weekend you were playing that and i was like do i want to get that and i was like i do but i can't justify it because i haven't played bloodborne and it's been sitting on my shelf i started playing Bloodborne. that's right because I, I broke that broke you in my adventure yeah i broke it hard and then you took off like you're like i'll see ya i gotta play oh that's true because yeah. I, I was just like oh i'm interested in bloodborne because yeah. daniel's back into it yeah. and then i was just like huh i wonder how doable the platinum is and then a hundred fucking hours later <laughs> god i actually hate that there isn't an active yeah. clock that we can look I at no i know and then so after i beat that i was like what do i do next and so i went to neo because that was on sale yep another one i corralled you into i was like hey I, man get neo it's good <laughs> But it doesn't quite give me exactly what I want because I like I really prefer the combat in Bloodborne. I over think in, Neo. I think initially you were saying that you didn't enjoy it the last time we talked about it, and since then you've put probably what two more hours into it. No, do, like four more hours. Do you Neo. do you like I, it I a bit more it. now? Like having I like, your hands I on do. it? I do. Okay, I okay. like it a bit more, but it still has some clunking. It's not even clunky. It's just that there's some overbearing mechanics going on, especially the, how the stancing thing goes. How mm-hmm. you have to switch your sword stance and shit. That's fine. Yeah. Because, like, in certain situations, I do like playing around with it because, like, each weapon you have has the different stances. So you can figure out, like, what's going to work against, like, an enemy that's, like, maybe holding a shield. But, like, I don't always want to manage that system. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to get in there and fuck shit up. It's true. And Bloodborne gives me that feeling. So I moved on. I moved on to a game that I was very interested in but never picked up, but it was very cheap. The standard edition was $12. It was Deck 13's The Surge. Oh, shit. Yeah, so, you did get into and that. And the Surge is super interesting, dude. Mm-hmm. The Surge actually plays like if uh, Dark Souls and Prey like were combined together. Because hmm. it has a very interesting like techno disaster feel. Very, um, how would you... Honestly, just like Prey. Like a disaster that happened in, in a technological like environment, yeah. you know? Very system shocky. And But it plays like a goddamn Dark Souls game. Uh, where, you know, you have to dodge, you have to, you know, build up your character and shit, mm-hmm. you have to, uh, but what's interesting about this one is you can target specific body parts on enemies and you have a chance to, if you hack, uh, uh, against it enough, you'll mm-hmm. actually fill a meter above where you could just lop off that body part. And just like break it entirely? And take the fucking parts from your enemies in order to increase your own body <laughs> that's actually pretty fucking wild it's so cool i'm dude. about that and the story is really interesting because yeah. it's because it's not like you know where dark souls has that kind of ambiguous storytelling thing very visually based storytelling mm-hmm. uh, uh philosophy the surge is very like no our story is kind of explaining itself to you as you go along there is a mystery you don't know why this factory you're going to is super fucked mm-hmm. but you start to like unravel that as you go on kind of like a science fiction thriller it's really cool. That's interesting. High recommendation, and The Surge Two is coming out in 2019. I was so I love discovering a game and just like learning about it, and then going like, wait a second, there's a sequel. Like in a month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's actually really yeah. really exciting. I love that shit because as I get older, it's very hard to like keep up with absolutely everything that's out there. Yeah, you know, like I think you kind of you feel that too. Uh, yeah, I actually had that similar experience just recently because right. I watch 
all of Ozark, and then the the new season actually comes out <laughs> next month. So it's like, yes, I get to just marathon watch it right back to back because I don't hap- have to, I don't have time to wait. Dude. That happens to me with Netflix shows, man. Um, I, I, I I totally miss that Luke Cage season two came yeah. out for like like three weeks after it was actually out. <laughs> That's rad. Yeah, but um, uh, I've also went back to Dark Souls too. Like literally, like within the a span of a week, played yep. all of these games. You did. I saw it happen, and yeah. actually, I actually saw your sit down with dark souls 2 where we made the sauce boss oh the my most God. important character oh for any video God. game ever he just wants to broker a deal dude the sauce boss is the boss he looks like fucking guy fieri <laughs> he looks like an old battered guy fieri yes like you are guy correct. fieri is who's seen more than just his family in kitchen wars gotcha i need you to be really careful how you refer to the sauce boss though Why? because well <laughs> his position demands respect first and foremost okay. i okay. bow to the sauce just want hey just putting you in check. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so Dark Souls 2 has been really cool. Oh, shit, dude. Hmm. Uh, I forgot that we're sponsored this episode. Oh, uh, you're right. It's a lo- like a local uh, Seattle uh, business. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're a whiskey business. Okay. And they, they had asked us kindly to uh, read some ad copy. They Apparently, uh, they have a whiskey called Souls Born and Souls Like. Mm. Isn't that nuts? Uh, okay, well, here goes. I need to actually get into the mic a little bit more to yeah. do this one. So here, ooh, pop filter, pop away. Today's episode is brought to you by Souls Born and Souls Like, the only whiskey inspired by a video game. We think. We didn't verify that in Google. Uh, prepare <laughs> to die for a distinctive, robust aroma. You'll be rolling after getting a taste of its full-bodied flavor. Well-rounded, minimal bite, high on poise. Souls born and souls like whiskey. Praise the fun. I like that a lot. <laughs> That's good. So support them. Apparently, uh... Their bottles of whiskey are uh, $429. I think that's a little high, but yeah. then again, I hear it's pretty tasty. I mean, minimal bite. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually got some new shit, dude. I heard that you have news. I do. The cat told me. Actually, uh, allow me a moment, if you will, before we get in news. Because uh, I'm still trucking along with Bloodborne. We got a Daniel alert. We got- Oh, shit. <laughs> that's right. I'm- okay. Um, you've been playing all these Soulsborns. I'm still stuck in the blood pool. That's true. Getting really I'm, thick and hot I, and Because I left you, brother. I'm you sorry. You left me like, oh, peace up, brother. Blood like, boys mm. don't leave blood boys behind. Yeah, I bro. fucked up, dude. I want to... I'm sorry. I want to take this to be as a forum for me to apologize yeah. to you. I'm sorry I left you out there in Yarnum. That's it. It's I'm okay. sorry. It's all right, man. I'll find my way back. I don't think Just light cool. the lantern. <laughs> so you've been light playing... Light the old- fucking lantern. <laughs> <laughs> You've been playing old hunters, right? Yeah, so I'm I'm working my way through the platinum. We're gonna still talk about. We're gonna have a Bloodborne episode next week. We're finally gonna get to it. So, are we really doing it? Next we're week? actually gonna do it next week. We've, we've been pitching it for the last few episodes. Do we so. have the bandwidth for that? We do. Are, are you so ECD? Yes. Next week, the blood bands are. In. Okay, yeah, got yeah, it. All right, let's go to. It. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I've been digging into the old hunters DLC. I think I started it on Fourth of July, um, and it is just immaculate. Uh, grotesque and everything I could want from a, a Bloodborne expansion. It's it's awesome. Mm, tell me uh, more. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I, I don't quite know where it takes place. It seems like it's an inverted world of Yarnum, mm-hmm. uh, like the nightmare scape of it. Um, and it's called the Old Hunters, so you come across a lot of 
hunters uh, in that vein. A lot of the gameplay and fight mechanics are very fast-paced there because you're fighting a lot, like I said, hunters. Yeah, you're fighting a lot of hunters uh, and DLC. Between dude. just random enemies that you come across and like bosses even, um, it's, a, it's, it's really fresh. Um, a lot of the main campaign is set in like just these dark, very like... Uh, lovecraftian inspired areas and a lot of this one is like out in the open it's really bright there's a lot of cool like mm-hmm. color and schema about it and i'm i'm digging it man uh i'm at the ends of it i've beaten every boss except the orphan of cause which i find is just way too hard for where i'm at level wise <laughs> what's uh, your level at what you looking like uh 115 oh jesus those are rookie numbers man so, we gotta get those numbers up so, we gotta be we gotta be closing yeah i'm rolling back <laughs> I'm getting some level and experience in yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the early fishing hamlet area and then the chalice dungeons. Um, I love it. But I'll go back to that. You said it was your favorite fight in the game. You love yes. It. You said yeah. it's the best, and I'm just like, I, no, no, it's, I, uh, it's good. I don't, I don't like doing shit like the best. What? I'm saying it's my favorite fight sure. in the game. Sure, okay, sure. for me because it it uh, it leans on my favorite way of gameplay, which mm. is fast and aggressive. Yeah. But some enemies in the game definitely. Uh, you need the air on the side of caution around them. You got to play it slow. You got to make sure you're doing your fucking viscerals or whatever. Yeah. But in the orphan of cause, I just got up in that mofo. That face. one's that one's hard to play like slow up front. Like if you're all the way back, because he does a lot of like yeah. ranged attacks. Oh, sure. Like yeah, uh, you want to go in quick and, and get which, out. Of which surprisingly you can. you can get out of the way of if you. We'll save it for yeah. our blood blood boy blood talk. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I enjoy the shit out of that fight. So that one's cool. Um, mm-hmm. I I think my favorite one is the one that I encountered right before that right before you go to the fishing hamlet it's uh the astral clock tower fight with lady maria right uh, probably one of the dopest fights in any of the souls games i've ever experienced which apparently is a very heartbreaking fight because from yeah. maria's standpoint apparently she was uh, sorry if we're gonna dive into the lore for a little bit just like a second um she was very much against that blood magic sort of um that ministration shit mm-hmm. so when you get into a fight with her, the more desperate she becomes, she starts actually using things like that. She's even using like the sword that I think she casted away. Correct me if I'm wrong at save room show, yeah. uh, that she threw into a well, but she's using it against you. First of all, something that she gave up because she wanted to protect the, uh, secret of the hunters. She found something very disturbing. That's just flipped her fucking script. And she starts using that blood magic against you in that fight, which is like, when the, the halfway point they get yeah. super hard so i mean the the initial fight is hard anyway like it's very fast paced it's like you're fighting like an npc hunter almost mm-hmm. um you have opportunities to use visceral attacks and do good range shit but then when she starts using the blood magic she does like this fucking blood tornado and like fucking does like <laughs> sniper blood shots at you across the map like it's just it's wild like the it amps up so fast and right. it, it makes it such a really dynamic fight and that's why it stands out to me because the phases mm-hmm. like they really feel challenging and like i did it over the course of three streams, like I think it took me three hours to finally do. Uh, but I love sitting down with it every time. Like it didn't feel like a chore. I was like, I felt like I was actually like mastering the game as I was playing it. Yeah. So that that's the thing. Going for that platinum does require you to really master the mechanics and yeah. find a way that find a way that you like to play to lean on that works in most situations. Like it's so. I love the shit out of that game, dude. Yeah. And like. I, I'm so glad I got back into it. Yeah, I'm so, I'm, so glad. I'm so glad that during that midsummer E3 sale mm-hmm. that I also got the Old Hunters DLC. It was like six bucks, and I was like, yeah. fuck yeah, pick it up. And I, I didn't know how quickly I'd get to because I thought I was going to put the game down. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I want to check out Neo again. But I was like, no, nah, I'm going to get through it. And it's been it's been a good week with it, man. Good shit, yeah, dude. Um, but yeah, that's what we've been playing. So I will grant you the news as you, you've been asked. I thought you want 
to read news first. I'm going to. Okay. I said I will grant you the news. Oh, excuse me. I, yeah. I, I was confused about the terms of service. That's okay. Let's go ahead. Uh, read your user agreement. That's in the save room docs. Uh-huh. Uh, I <laughs> read. <laughs> um, I've got two ni- news items here. Uh, no release information. Nothing crazy like that. Um, first mm. item here, under the just of Overwatch. Uh, oh, shit. Overwatch is back? I don't know if it's going to be a weekly thing, but I thought this was really special. Um, we, well, our show's not a weekly thing. That's true. <laughs> Got me there, brother. Got you. Um, you honest. Number one here, Overwatch and Blizzard raised more than $12.7 million in May for their mm-hmm. charity partnership with the Breast Cancer Research, Research Foundation. Uh, back in May, Brit- Blizzard partnered with the Breast Cancer Re- Research Foundation to help raise money for the foundation, with 100% of the proceeds going directly to the BCRF. That's how I'm going to abbreviate it from here on out. That's okay. Uh, the you. effort came through the creation of a pink limited edition Mercy skin that players could purchase in-game for $15 from May 8th to the 21st. If simply donating to the BCRF wasn't a good enough reason for players, the reward of the immaculate and beautifully crafted skin should have been excessive enough. Blizzard launched the campaign with the skin saying, quote, show your support for the BCRF as Overwatch's peerless scientist and guardian angel mercy and her pink new skin available for a limited time their mission is to advance the world's most promising research to eradicate breast cancer end quote during that may 8th to 21st time frame fans and players were additionally able to purchase a pink mercy shirt designed by blizzard community artist vicky sai for 30 bucks the pink shirt features a cameo of mercy holding the breast cancer ribbon and vicky sai's beautifully charming signature style with all the proceeds also going to the bcrf Blizzard originally noted that they would release the information of the fundraiser after the campaign's close. Well, the numbers are finally in, and Blizzard revealed early this week that over the course of the two-week campaign, there is over $12.7 million between the sales of the skin and the shirt. Uh, $12.7 million. Like, that's that's a crazy high number. I would say that's a pretty crazy that's, high number. That's astonishing. Really? Um, and they said that... What was this, the time span? Two weeks to generate that Two weeks, much? basically, to, yeah. Or to... Yeah. Shit. <laughs> okay, so, good. And that doesn't even include the additional $130,000 that the Twitch community raised through charity streams. The BCRF went on to state that this is the single largest donation from a, co- a corporate partner in a single year in the entirety of the foundation's 25-year history. Fuck. Yeah. On July 9th, Overwatch creative director Jeff Kaplan presented the BCRF with a special check for the total amount raised and posted this message on playeroverwatch.com, uh, basically restating what Ali had said. Um, the over- Thanks to the overwhelming generosity of the Overwatch community during the charity campaign, we've raised more than $12.7 million. Um, this is the largest donation, he goes on to say. Uh, and then charity stream viewers rejoice. In addition to the $12.7 million raise, the additional $130,000 uh, is thanks to 14 different Overwatch stars streaming on Twitch. Okay. So that, that's a crazy amount of revenue there. Um, big shout out to Blizzard and Overwatch for their campaign. Blizzard has been making amazing strides with Overwatch and a lot of progressive friends, from the prozines to the creation of the Overwatch League unions to simply closely listen to the community. And this can only be seen as a victory for Blizzard and BCRF. And while we often hear about the toxicity of the Overwatch community, this shows how positive and great the community has the capacity to be, and the impact that can be made when people come together for a necessary cause. Congratulations to all you who bought the skins or involved. Uh, you're all heroes here. <laughs> so. damn jeff kaplan doing the work yeah doing the work what a guy i think it's really neat um yeah i for sure there's a lot of shit that goes on in the overwatch community it's something that you could say like yeah i'm not really proud of that part of it and if you want to talk mm-hmm. about the toxicity yeah that's present in any fandom i'm embarrassed to be a rick and morty fan for <laughs> just so many four <laughs> reasons that people have i've strayed have away shown. actually um, I just, yeah so for this, I think it's great to see the dynamism of a community that is so large. It is one of the biggest player communities right now, uh, especially with people playing on Twitch or people playing on their home consoles. Um, and I think it's great that like they're like, yeah, we're going to support 
this 100 percent and the numbers show man that, that that shows that support the community this has and that's i think it's awesome did that ad copy there uh call mercy peerless mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean peerless that sounds very lonely uh i mean i imagine she's only matched by like Moira. okay that's Symmetra. what i mean like nobody yeah. she, there's nobody else in at, in that at universe. Her level yeah. in her field so that that denotes master gotcha i think i think it's Mo- a compliment Moira i would just feel like if i had no peers i'd be like god <laughs> yeah she'd be lonely because this is a team-based game bro that's true even <laughs> no, mercies no but, but for real uh there's nothing to be uh glib or sarcastic about here yeah. that is a very good cause that's some good shit i like to see that especially a like a member a huge member of the industry blizzard gets in puts a foot forward Mm -hmm. and says yo this is the mark that we want to leave in the world it's not just about taking all you know all you nerds money it's about giving it to (laughs) i think it's really neat i actually bought this game because i was so impressed by the design of it oh i didn't know you grabbed it i did yeah yeah i got it for 15 bucks it's it's a really cool design i love it a lot i haven't spooled up overwatch in a while so i think otherwise i would have like snagged it for sure but yeah i haven't played it in a long time unfortunately no that's fair i I let it update on my hard drive every day because like there's it's (laughs) it's making that hard drive heavy there are two things that are certain (laughs) in a day you will wake up and Overwatch will update automatically on the daily. For sure. Um, but no, that's, that's comforting. That's really neat. I almost wanted to get the shirt, too, because I'm a big fan of Vicky Sai. You can follow her artwork on Twitter. She's awesome. She has like a lot of really cutesy, um, just What if we did? Can we, we, we could still get that shirt? I don't think so. No, it was only... Because <laughs> okay. I was about to say, I was going to pitch that we both get one. Yeah. You a small, me a large. Mm-hmm. I know what's up. And just wear it all the time. Like, take, you know, take pictures of us, like, at a picnic with them. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Maybe... We, which one of us is holding the basket? Regardless of the reason, mm-hmm. we should always have picnic pictures. And also, I don't know how to respond to that question, but okay. thank you for asking it. <laughs> yeah. I just want to get out there. I'm a planner. You know? <laughs> thank you, dude. Uh, you said you had something else? Because uh, I, I do have something else, I actually. I can't see it in the dock, bro. Oh, you're right. You're right. I, I let you down there again. <laughs> no, it's okay, dude. Uh, I understand your distrust of uh, technology. Terminator, after all. A lot of movies taught me that, yeah. Pretty much every movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, up? sure. Uh, so, <laughs> number two here uh, from the Daniel Docs. Uh, in a very <laughs> questionable move, Nintendo has boldly stated that they plan to release 20 to 30 new Nindies titles a week moving forward. Huh. Hmm. Pause there. <laughs> let, just, I'm going to let that sink in. You guys already know about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. During their 78th annual general shareholders meeting at the end of June, Nintendo executives faced questions about the future of the Switch in the face of indie games courtesy their Nindies initiative. During the meeting, a shareholder posited, quote, Indie games have become a hot topic recently. As games made by small-scale developers around the world with relatively low development costs, how will Nintendo integrate these kind of games into its future business strategy? End quote. Nintendo senior executive officer Sushumu Tanaka then shook the internet with their questionably high estimate for exactly how many games they actually hope to bring to the Switch. Quote, we are actively engaging with indie developers at the video game focus shows and other events in different regions. Some of the indie games already have released have gone on to become million sellers worldwide, Tanaka said. In the future, we are looking to release around 20 to 30 games on the Nintendo Switch per week, and we definitely expect to see some great games among them. End quote. Visibility of this has already been apparent, as the eShop has been incrementally increasing its way up to that number. Just during uh, the July 5th week of releases alone, 18 titles were added to the eStore. As of systems, uh, as of the 
system's March 2017 release, Nintendo has openly and repeatedly stated that they would be supporting a high-volume Platinum for their Nindy Showcase to give independent developers a chance to shine. The plan to inordinately suggest that they're going to up the release to 30 games a week, while a wonderful idea comes a bit of a cost. Having a platinum platform to spotlight indie games on any console is crucial, but the volume suggested threatens to oversaturate their own market. And if there's anything to be learned by Sony and Steam respectively, it's that curation and quality control has to be present. With the current state of the eShop as it stands, a lot of the titles will likely get washed over and be difficult to find unless they find unless they're featured on the front page. Uh, while we've been rewarded with a celebratory number of indie titles already, exclusive to the Switch, um, this is still an exciting prospect, and it will be interesting to see how Nintendo moves forward with this idea. <sighs> okay, so, <clears throat> I've said this before. Mm-hmm. This is a road paved on good intentions. I think so. This is not a bad initiative, and it's not a bad idea. For sure. I'd like So don't don't, yeah. don't get it twisted. Don't, don't miss... Please don't misconstrue any of my negativity there as uh, anything bad. I'm just skeptic. I don't think you're being negative. I yeah. think you're just being cri- critical. Yeah. And it's okay to be critical because we have examples already out there. Uh, for instance, PlayStation Store. It kind of didn't have that proper curation for a little while now. And I would say to a degree it's still not quite there, but it is. They've made it better. It's easier to see games populate that are just like, this is trending and shit. But for the most part, I don't. I, I don't think it's as intuitive as it could be. But what's been happening is that without proper curation, you have this entire kind of glut of game. Second time I've said glut. That's fine. <laughs> this episode, glut of you're games. glutton for the word. I mm, good shit. Mm. Uh, that you see these games on there that are just like, how did this get through? Right. Like how is this approved? And that opens up at like an interesting conversation about like, okay, well who would be the authority on curating these games and what merit and criteria. Yeah. And it's like, isn't that entirely subjective because it's video games and it is a, a, a creative medium. Mm-hmm. So it's like one man's garbage is another man's like, yeah, I'm totally down with life of black tiger. <laughs> no, know? it's true though. Like, which is hard to imagine that somebody would say that, but I'm just saying as an example, it's like, you know, like, uh, fucking, what's what, what, what's a game that came out like earthfall you know mm-hmm. it, it's very 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 similar to left for dead and whatnot and that's like but it, there's a bar to that but then you'll have another game that comes out in the marketplace that's just like this isn't great it's totally not for you it's like really just yeah. a b game but it exists there because the sony platform allows it to and i think that's mm-hmm. the good thing to model it after like you as i don't know who curates it or who operates the the business side or the inventory of these online stores but it is an endless platform, but with that comes some problems because, like you, with in a sea of everything, it's hard for things to stand out. Um, it's hard for them to become accessible. You can only have so many drop-down menus for certain types unless you start genreizing things. And then mm-hmm. to say, okay, for Nintendo's case here, we're gonna release twenty to thirty new titles a week. Um, how do we feature that on our new releases? That's gonna go fast. You're gonna have at least hundred twenty games in your new section inventory every month and it's just going to look like things are going to get lost and yeah it's that's my skepticism i think we're we're on the same page yeah. there on being uh both skeptics we're both yeah. scullies in this situation and that's fine it is sometimes there's two scullies sometimes there's three molders i don't want to life is complicated yeah you know what i'm saying so are you feeling my x-files reference you're giving me like you're like hmm he's saying intelligent things face when i'm yeah. just like i don't think that's true but scully <laughs> but scully aliens <laughs> so that yeah i think we're aligned on that one uh i want to see how it goes mm-hmm. i want to see what nintendo does to kind of like because it quality is really a huge theme for them with all they do in their business it's like, true you know? so i don't think that well 
point of fact that the Nintendo quality uh, seal on every game. If okay. we look at, let's go back to the Wii in the GameCube era of to? Nintendo. Let's just think about it in, Why are in, we this, doing in this context real quick. There All was right. a lot of shovelware. Um, there we go. And That's I feel that like term. there's an easy way to have a lot of indie, nindy, I should say, shovelware happening here. Um, so far, they have a large platinum for these nindy games, and there's a lot happening there. But like after a while, it's like like we said, quality control is going to get lost, and everything's going to just show up. Uh, and how am I going to tell, like you know, if this is good against this? Um, I guess. Well, it, Hopefully, just start up the Nintendo hotline again, and I can call and be like, Hey, man, I'm looking for uh, Hollow Knight. And they'll be like, Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> and and then in the background, like, you hear a faint, Wow! <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, you know what? That's a good capper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to move on to my news. For bro. sure. Because I got a little bit here, but... Um, uh, entirely based off of the topic that we have today, which uh, I'll... I'll preface right here sure. is that we're going to talk about the arena net firings and that's going to be kind of a somber conversation just warning you kids buckle up maybe get, pour yourself a glass of souls born and souls like yeah <laughs> and just kind of sit down but uh, i've got some fun shit right here man souls and souls like yeah richer than the swift hand of death Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> i hate you i know anyway well, these two little... Uh, well, this one is just cool. I I feel like playing mm-hmm. off of what Blizzard has done, we're seeing a lot of big studios and big gaming companies do some cool shit, and I want to talk to you about Epic. So, yeah. no matter who you are, where you are, and regardless of whether or not you've ever actually picked up a controller, chances are pretty good you've heard of Fortnite. Fortnite's undeniable success has been huge for Epic Games, just as it's been huge for their bank account. That's why Epic has decided to pass those savings on to their devs. The Unreal Marketplace is, and I had to, I'm I'm quoting the FAQ because I'm certainly no dev, (laughs) uh, an e-commerce platform through which content creators connect with developers using Unreal Engine 4 by providing a wealth of game-ready content and code. It's a marketplace where companies can actually get assets to use for their own games in order to, like, you know, help their development process okay so you know yeah okay so the payment model up until now saw epic take 30 percent of sales on the marketplace with the uh, rest pocketed by asset creators okay well epics decided that fortnite has earned them enough gold-plated teslas <laughs> and have subsequently lowered their cut to just 12 percent leaving creators with an 88 percent cut bigger slice of the pie hmm. for just making that shit better yet Epic intends to pay back content creators for the last four years of sales applying this new rate. Yeah, think it. Yes. Wow. Okay. I, I got to do the math on that one. So you're hearing this correctly. If you've been developing assets for the marketplace since 2014, there's a windfall coming your way. Now, they did mention that it might be like just a very certain segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not as if people would be ruled out or anything. Just that like, I, 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 I forget you have that. I don't know what the requirements are, but. We'll get to that. So, Epic's head honcho, Tim Sweeney, explained to VentureBeat, quote, Thanks to both the marketplace's growth and the success of Fortnite, Epic now conducts a huge volume of digital commerce. The resulting economies of scale enable us to pass the savings along to the Unreal Engine marketplace community, while also making a healthy profit for Epic. Shit. Just just put it out there. <laughs> like, that's what they're up to. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And um, there's another article that I found out there, and I'm going to pop it open right now. Hopefully I don't destroy the docs. Uh, VentureBeat also did an article called Unreal Engine Windfall. Asset devs 
plan to pay off student loans and more. Like when people heard about this, the, the devs, they're like, holy shit. Some of these companies are saying like, uh, we did the math. We're getting like 10,000 coming back our way. They're like, we can just put that to our company. It wasn't a part of our like roadmap. Yeah. And suddenly it's just like, hey, here's all this money. And it's like, it's going to make so many devs lives easier yeah essentially. that's the intent because a lot of what slows development down um other than team changes or closures is development costs like building a game Mango is Mango. expensive and once resources. you run out of money it's like uh we can't do any more code we can't do any more of this so. devs need resources yeah. resources cost money so that's important to know so uh in, the, in this uh, article from venture beat you check it out by the way venture beats awesome uh it had a quote from somebody on Twitter named uh, Katie Nelson, who worked for Blueprint Games or works for Blueprint Games. Mm-hmm. She said, so the money I'll be getting back from Epic is enough to fund our company for two stress-free months. Thank you so much, Epic Games. Wow. What a lovely surprise. That's very cool. <laughs> and they had a few more quotes. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, there's another one that kind of like stood out to me. Uh, da, da. I forget who said this. I think it's Nelson still saying this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 from Blueprint. Uh, hopefully, quote, hopefully I can take on less contract work and focus more on asset packs so that I have more time to work on my own games. That's, it's just cool. That's yeah. a cool, it's a good fucking look, man. I, I gotta love, say. I love that Blizzard, or not Blizzard, um, I love that <laughs> Epic, Epic here yeah. has. Stop thinking about Blizzard. Jeff Sorry. has nothing to do with it. I'm just man. always thinking of it, man. I'm thinking about <laughs> okay. that one time I, I thought I met him at a Starbucks, but that's a whole other story Christ. for another day. But I think it's crazy that they have... This game is still in beta. That needs to be important to note. This is still a free game <laughs> right. that completely hinges on players paying for something that isn't completely out yet, and cosmetics and guns and all that shit. So there, there's just a lot of... It's not even a glass ceiling. Like the, the ceiling for that sort of uh, funding is limitless. And the fact that they have all this money that they're just giving back and they don't even know what to do with it at that point. It's just like, it's crazy cool to see. Because they, they could keep it for themselves. They but instead, they're they doing that. And they're, they're doing these... That's like, a fantastic point. They yeah. could have just kept it for themselves. I mean, EA would have done it. And just them not to... Well, we need to drag EA. No, they, we do. They've been voted the worst company of the year for the last like 173 years running. <laughs> it's in the terms of our uh, Soulsborne yeah. and Souls-like contract that we have to bash EA. Really? Sorry. Fuck, I just like the name and just signed that. Well, okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's a great point. They could have just kept the money, but no, they were like, you know what? This is an initiative we want to push forward because, well, one, I'm sure they're all high-fiving each other because it makes them look great. Yes. I'm sure that, that come on, they're not they're, they're not to- totally like oblivious to that. Honestly, factor. throughout like... But it's still a good move that they didn't have to do. Yeah. The, the fact that they did it is what counts the most, and it's great. So like, even if somebody tries to be a detractor in this situation, I'm just trying to get out in front of the horse and be like, stop! Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I'm going to see that comment somewhere. I'm just like, yeah, 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 whatever the intent, they still did it, and it's still awesome. Okay. Yeah, and now we have more seasons of continued support for it, and they're even doing like ARG shit in fucking cities around the U.S. Which I don't is, agree with ARG stuff, man. I've yeah. seen a lot of fucking David Cronenberg films, mm-hmm. and it just seems like a bad idea to like fuck with reality. Okay. 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 I agree. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to move on. I got another cool thing for you, and I kind of got a, a twofer for you, a twofold special here. Uh, two news items about Konami. They're related. Okay? Tasty right. little morsels. And it's interesting, and it's good, and it's great, and it feels good. So, here's the next thing. No, are you done? Are you done there? Are you done patting yourself on the back? <sighs> yes. Self-congratulatory? Let's Sorry. go. Okay. <laughs> Oops. Uh, on July 13th, 1987, the original Metal Gear was released in Japan on the MSX2 home computer, introducing the gaming world to Hideo Kojima's seminal 
vision. To celebrate 31 years of military surrealism, a different visionary, movie director Jordan Vo- Roberts, is it Vocked? I think Vo- it's Vocked. Vocked? Yeah. Vocked? <laughs> I've, God, I actually, like, I've heard it actually uh, pronounced. V O G T hyphen Roberts. V O G T hyphen Roberts. If you know how to say that, please give us an at. I think it's Vocked Roberts. Like, okay. you have to say Vocked Jordan Vocked Roberts. Roberts. There we go. Okay. okay. Who's. Honestly, his name sounds straight up lifted like, from a character from Metal Gear Solid, <laughs> Jordan Vaughn Roberts. <laughs> anyway, has promised th- he has promised 31 days of concept art he created in partner with an army of, quote, next-gen artists. Vaughn Roberts was quick to preface that... <laughs> I said it so... That was good there. <laughs> it was good, though. Yeah. Preface that these unreleased pieces of art are not representative of the still-in-development feature-length Metal Gear film, which he himself is directing. The director had this to say on Twitter, quote, we must stress that this is, quote, he even said, quote, <laughs> fan art and is not meant to represent what is or not in the forthcoming film. Hmm. Okay. As for the Metal Gear film adaptation, Vok Roberts has been reworking the script to more closely align the story with the 31 years of work Hideo Kojima has laid out. The director has even met with Kojima. They actually seem like legitimate pals uh, to dis- discuss the project. Mm-hmm. Fans can view this growing gallery of, quote, nano-machine-infused artwork, end quote, as they release on the director's Twitter account. You can uh, hit that up at at Vogt Roberts, which is at V-O-G-T-R-O-B. You know how to spell Roberts. <laughs> it's a really cool thing. I saw The first piece of art that they released there, it's uh, Metal Gear Rex, like, just, like, out on, a, I think, a heliport. I think yeah. it's supposed to be in Shadow Moses. And just, like, a, like one of the soldiers, like, out looking on it. And it looks, like, super realistic. It almost looked like... um. Uh, the concept art for the Halo movie that they're doing, where oh, they shit. kind of married that vision to like, what if the this looked like real? Yeah, okay. yeah, the Bloom Cap one. I was like, what if this looked if it was real? Like that's what the artist had to do, and it was really cool. So we're getting um at the what to date we're getting like uh, twenty nine more days of this shit. That's wild. This is gonna um, be great. So I'm gonna out myself <laughs> here for a second. Um, I didn't realize that Metal Gear Solid was a thirty year franchise. Uh, yeah, it existed before Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, yeah, I didn't realize that there was a game. No, before no, no, Solid. And that's, that's perfectly okay. Yeah. A lot of people didn't realize because I was like, "Oh shit!" MGS is the one that kind of like reignited that series, yeah. series for people and brought it to like another uh, level of recognition for sure. Is it still Snake though in the the eighty seven Metal yeah, Gear? Yeah, it's still Solid oh, Snake. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think the second one's called Metal Gear Two Solid Snake. Yeah, so hmm. it, it's definitely Snake. Well, that's cool. Um, I have played Sons of Liberty a little bit and some of four, a great one, which is what Sons of the Patriot. So mm-hmm. both sons, I got one in each hand. Um, yeah, both of those children. <laughs> <laughs> but so I played a little face, bit of them. Um, I I find the world of Metal Gear extremely interesting and intriguing i don't know much about it but i love seeing it fleshed out more in this like mm-hmm. concept art in these very realistic illustrations like it makes the world even more gorgeous than it already is uh for reference and i'm just gonna call him jordan so i stop yeah. butchering his last sure. name uh the director jordan his uh most recent film was kong skull island which was actually very good hmm. um it i mean it's a b movie for sure yeah. but it would just had a such a style to it and the, the choice that they made to go to like 70s oh man and like that it did have a kind of a military element to that because yeah you were seeing like a, a platoon go to that island so i'm interested to see him like still go back to that actually convey this military surrealism i really like that term <laughs> i do too yeah i i want to see like that in play in a film i hope that film's like fucking two and a half hours man i'd be down to watch it just make a series actually make a whole fucking netflix series i trust you jordan i'm sorry to to put more work on you 
But you do a movie and then do a subsequent series. Yes. <laughs> and then do another game after that. And then do do the do another game, Hideo, with, with Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> he's a cool dude, dude. We follow him on the Twitter and like he's actually yeah. like a legitimately like really like he knows his shit. He loves games. He's always tweeting and talking about games and just fucking he's just all around. I actually I didn't he's realize a swell guy. I didn't realize uh, again yeah. call myself out. I didn't realize who he was until that thirty one days of Metal Gear. I was oh like, no shit. Oh shit, that's neat. That's who this dude I've is. I've told you about him before. In I passing, yeah. I knew before. we followed him though. I was like I like what he says i like the stuff he posts like he's very engaging and yeah. well-informed and yeah it's, he's a treat to follow so okay yeah. well i'm very sad that you don't keep track of my crushes we're gonna move on to the next item uh this one's still in the realm of konami but mm-hmm. this one's a really interesting people piece necessarily okay so come with me all right okay okay come with me give me that uh mm-hmm. umbilical tether with, always with the bloodborne but i like it anyway <laughs> silent hills may never see the light of day mm-hmm. that's a truth horror fans have had to shoulder the weight of since konami pulled the plug on the game following kojima's departure from the company because he was working on that with guillermo de toro he was so the only remnant we have is pt for reference that's short for playable teaser <laughs> An interactive teaser used to announce Silent Hills in 2014. And unless PT is snugly downloaded to your PS4's hard drive, fans do not have a means of accessing even that small remnant. As Konami pulled the teaser from the PlayStation Store following the project's cancellation. Uh, you can't even re-download it if you made the mistake of deleting it from your hard drive, actually. Damn. Because it, it's not on the store, and even in your download list, you, you can't re-download it. I'm actually really glad that you snagged that download, because like, that was a really intense like but, several hours. But that's my original hard drive that I took out of my PS4, so it's just stranded uh like in a box death stranded so i can't i can't even play pt on my current uh my my two terabyte that i got that's a bummer (laughs) yeah right so that shit sucked and a 17 year old wonderkin called kim sar agreed (laughs) yeah kim sar i'll show it to you kim sar okay yeah i don't know if that's a screen name or his full name might be his last name might be his last name but but for you know kim sar so, he did what any self-respecting fan with some dev tool knowledge would do. He remade the entire fucking demo for PC. And he released his build as a free download online. Yeah, on a, a site called like GameJolt. Are I you think. serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's crazy. Come on, keep on walking with me. Yeah. To no one's surprise, <laughs> especially not Kim Sars, Konami had to step in and pull the plug on I'm it. I'm sure. Right? Okay? I'm sure they had wasted no time there. <laughs> but, unlike so many stories of fan remakes getting the legal axe... This story has an interesting ending, which may lead to an interesting beginning. Kimsar explained the game's radar, quote, I got a phone call that I was expecting at about 5 a.m. from someone who worked at Konami. He essentially told me that he was very sorry for being the bearer of bad news, but I would have to take down my remake, end quote. Like, no surprise there, right? The Konami rep apologetically explained that they had saw his demo and actually really liked it. But, and this is the kid's direct quote, dude. I I have to make that very clear. This is his direct quote about this situation. Quote, legit due to legal issues that were out of his or anybody else's control. End quote. The remake had to go down. I just love the way that he put it. It It's just like a 17-year-old explaining, like, litigation. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I want more of it, honestly. Like, (laughs) That was a good navigation of that whole thing. I want fucking teenage court. (laughs) So anyway. But from there, the conversation actually took a turn. Uh, the spokesperson from Konami uh, said that they would be sending Kim Sar some Konami games and assorted swag. Okay. And they were offering him an internship. Oh, shit. In fact, Kim Sar's passion project seemed to stir the long dormant beast that is Konami. 
Quote, uh, quote, because of my remake, Konami had a strong resurgence of a desire to make legitimate games again, end quote. What was a bad but expected conversation evolved into an opportunity not just for Kimsar, but seemingly for all fans that have lamented Konami's apparent exit from producing big-budget retail games uh, in favor for pachinko machines and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, more money grabbing initiatives essentially yeah something they've been diving hard into like the past like five years or so i think i think the uh production budget for metal gear solid 5 definitely burned their asses and had a lot of hard conversations were had and that, a lot that of is a big budget made, game okay? so but to cap this one off kim Sar's position is that of excitement and relief put bluntly he's happy he didn't get sued Quote, I'm personally surprised that Konami acted this way. I was really scared that they would just hit me up with a C and D, which is a cease and desist, and that would be it. But nah, <laughs> they were pol- they politely called me to take it down, and they're giving me a freaking internship, dude. What is What even is that? Is this cool? <laughs> this kid is legitimately awesome. This story is awesome, and it could lead to something, dude. Because, like, yeah, the, I never even thought about that. There's a bunch of people that didn't, like, leave Konami, that mm-hmm. still worked there, that still support that corporation, yeah. even despite the fact that they may not have been, like, they switch gears to not make games for a while. But, like, all those people... Like, think about that. These people remember making games for Konami, making Metal Gear and mm-hmm. Castlevanias and shit, and they still want to do that. And this kid's demo is just like, shit. <laughs> let's let's get back to what we were good at. Right. Like, I, like you can make a fucking movie based around that. But, That's... of course, Konami makes terrible decisions and is very much reviled, and uh, <laughs> it, it's a hard position to shift. You would have to... <laughs> You would have to frame it in a very exacting way. I think we can get Jordan Vock Roberts. Can we call it this situation? Kimsar Symphony of the Night? <laughs> <laughs> a true swan song. I hate you. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. I, to yeah. have such a fresh like young mind on the team like he might not have that same history with the series like somebody in their 30s or 40s would. Um, but to just have that fervor, like, yeah, I'm going to remake fucking PT. Watch me. Watch me, dude. <laughs> Watch me, I'm going to do it better than you nerds did it. And Oh, you took down PT? Hold my beer. Hold <laughs> my beer. I'm not old enough to drink, but hold my beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> gave him an ID from Hawaii. <laughs> no, they gave him a fucking O'Doul's. Like, here, boy. It's, it's, it's not alcoholic. You're good. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love the story. It's a feel-good story, and uh, that's great. And somehow, a feel-good story is associated with Konami. <laughs> I don't know how we did it, but 2018, man, we're gonna cap this one off. He has Year of Dreams Part Eight. <laughs> okay. Also, so I didn't get to like write about these, but I did want to do like flyby mentions of yeah. these these news bits that did not make the cut. So first of all, so apparently, check this out online if you would like. Aliens Colonial Marines, uh, somebody on Reddit, somebody that had some know-how, yeah. decided to dig into the code of the game and found that there was actually a misspelling in, in the coding of the game associated to the AI of the Xenomorphs in the game. For reference, in the initial reviews, the AI was called out as being super janky, and the aliens, which are frightening beasts from 20 years of films, 30 years at this point of films, mm-hmm. I think more. <laughs> uh, actually, way more, because 1979. Uh these terrifying beasts were reduced to like idiots that would like crawl on walls and flip around and do stupid shit. And when he fixed the actual like 
coding misspelling is like it changed their entire fucking AI patterns. Wow. Like they actually became like <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> so check out that video if you want, like online. Yeah. I don't I don't know too much. I didn't see more, but I read that and I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> still talking about colonial marines, man. Oh, 2018, shit. dog. And then the other thing that I didn't mention, oh yeah, uh Mr. Nathan Fillion of Firefly fame actually posted something on Instagram that would like I think it was him in a costume or some shit, which he kind of looked very Nathan Drakey, hmm. right? And uh, he teased a date, which was July 16th, 2018. So by the time this episode's out, we'll figure out what the fuck. Yeah, we'll know. Yeah, we'll know what it is. People were like, oh, maybe he's like old Drake in the Uncharted movie. Because they casted Tom Holland as a young uh, Drake. They already announced that. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fucking prime choice. Yeah, we're getting the the Disney crew. Because like Marvel is owned by Disney. He's doing a video game character, and uh, Daisy Ridley almost was Laura Croft in the Tomb Raider reboot. So another Disney alum. I would have been so about that. Right? I would have been about that more. But then again, yeah, the movie was kind of uneven. Maybe that's why she didn't do it. I don't know. Maybe the maybe her like, like, agent oh. was like, mm, the force isn't with this one. Yeah, I'm sure every agent in the history of all time is just like, a video game movie? You might want to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> you, you might want to do something else. And the, But Christian Slater, he's perfect for it. For reference, he was in Alone in the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Clutch. So I, I I'm interested to see what that turns out to be. Yeah. But Comic Con is next week, as you guys may be aware, which some big pop culture announcements about comics, movies, and whatnot. I'm hoping it's for, for some Infinity War shit, dog. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, Avengers Four. Yes. Which might be named Avengers Endgame. Maybe who knows? Okay. Okay. Comic Con's yeah. exciting. Comic-Con's I, I can't exciting. wait to see what comes out of it. Do you think we're going to get any big... I I don't think we're going to get, like, crazy, like, hardware announcements, but, like, what do you think we're going to get, like, game time? It is their last chance to announce a Spider-Man PS4 Pro. Their last. I'm holding out hope for you, really, really, man, but... I'm holding out hope for me, because after that, I don't know what I'll do. Actually, I know what I'll do. I'll go... Oh man! Oh damn! No Spider Man, and then probably just buy a regular PS4 Pro because that, that's been on my my roadmap for the year. <laughs> sure. Okay. So I want to get into our topic. Is there any other thoughts you want to shake out of you before we get there? Do you need shaking to pee? The thought, shaking the challenge. Do you want to pee like right here? Like I see you have some bottles lined up here. Um, I no, I don't feel like marinating our mm. audience right now. Um, oh jeez. I think. I think I've got the gusto to get through this. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, any thoughts I have, we'll revisit them online or in Fantastic. future episodes. So I wanted to talk about, uh, I'm sure everyone's heard about it and I kind of wanted, I thought it was, it, it brings up some interesting topics, some interesting discussion, some concerning discussion as well. But I want to talk about the arena net firings that occurred um, where two employees were, were let go from the company. Uh, because of statements made on Twitter. So, uh, the parties involved were Jessica Price. Jessica Price is a narrative writer for Guild Wars 2, Mm -hmm. which is a game that ArenaNet publishes. And um, Apparently she wrote one of the big uh, Season 1 narrative leads. Right, right. And I think she was working on Season 3 content and and such like that. And so she was on a thread on Twitter kind of explaining... um, the narrative writing process like going through that especially as it pertained to guild wars uh, 2 and especially as it pertained to i believe season 3 mm-hmm. and so she was having this discussion on her you know her private account you know it is not a company account it's not that it, it is hers yeah so for for reference for context uh, she's always been very outspoken uh which I, I only bring up because it's just like this is something that for her she felt to be 
uh, she felt that she was being consistent throughout all of this of how she always spoke on Twitter in, in her 10, 10 years like being on the platform mm-hmm. is what she stated. She's like, I've, I've always been consistent with my messaging and how I communicate. And when I was hired onto ArenaNet, they, they seemed to indicate they did not have a problem with that. In fact, encouraged it to a degree. Encouraged it uh, by you know, just saying like, yeah, we love that you're outspoken and, you know, talk about the process and like, you know, even the ugly side. They were fine with that. Okay. Okay. Because they felt she represented the co- company in a good way. Um, it wasn't even about representing the company. Mm-hmm. It was just about could there be concerns about being misrepresented. And sure. they were just like, nope, social media, like do what you do. Okay. We love that you talk about the struggles, especially as being a uh, a woman in uh, the gaming industry. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, she was talking about the ex- uh, narrative thing. And there is a YouTuber slash streamer. I think his name is like Depore, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, He's big of, in the Guild Wars community. He commented on the thread, and he was just like, "Hey, so I, you know, this is a very interesting read, but I want to like politely like disagree. I'm paraphrasing like a motherfucker, but I, you know, disagree and just kind of explain like what he thought mm-hmm. about the process and whatnot. And then Jessica kind of commented and was like, "Oh, we got somebody else here who's fucking telling me my job. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Uh, again, paraphrasing. I think he was comparing that. Um, Actually, to, I do have the quote. To write single-player narratives is different than the sort of thing they try to do across seasons with Guild Wars. And he was talking about the writing process about it. Right. Somebody so. who isn't in game yeah. development is... I'm just... I'm not casting judgment. I'm just saying that's what's That's happening. just the fact. Yeah. And that was the discussion. That was the perception on Jessica's part. Mm-hmm. So, actually, what she wrote on Twitter, too, was, uh, quote, Today, in being a female game dev... Uh, allow me, a person who does not work with you, explain to you how you do your job. And then she mentioned at a point, like, she used it as kind of a, a means to call out, uh, even, she even used the word asshats. <laughs> uh, yeah. I haven't heard that word. Right. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, modernized, really, since, like, the early wrestling Modernized? You, yeah. thought, you thought you think it's out of fashion? I mean, I use it here and there, like, yeah. uh, asshat and clown shoes. I use those pretty flippantly here and there. Right. But, like, I don't hear it normalized anymore, so she, she brought that back. So Okay, so this is a very common thing that <laughs> yeah. we hear. That's, this, is, this is, like, not, this is a pattern. Mm-hmm. in this industry for uh, women in development they constantly have their roles their responsibilities well let's use the word mansplained mm-hmm. to them by people that are fans fans have this level of engagement and such not and, and, or they think they have a level of agency over these creators correct yes. and so we'll, we'll get into that in just a quick second but uh, yeah she, so what happened was she sent out this tweet and kind of like you know snap back at this guy who everyone is perceiving as like hey he was being totally polite and within his realms and you just kind of like fired off and yeah it, it, he I, he was polite i gotta say he right he didn't say anything offensively he wasn't no. overstepping any boundaries but he was in you know a general sense telling her how to do her job and he doesn't have any yeah i, I think that. within that context it's just like okay <laughs> yeah like it's annoying yeah. sure especially from her position and perspective yes but uh yeah let's just point out he didn't fucking come in that hot okay I've right. seen people come in hot on Twitter. Super and, like, hot! He was, yeah. He was fine. <laughs> Fucking melting through, uh, melting through the roof of the car, Dante's Peak style, man. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> well, that's, that's how hot pull. people yeah, come yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I have some notes here about that. And so she sent out this tweet, uh, or it was known on July 4th, and by July 5th, she was pulled in by ArenaNet's president. Mike O'Brien, who was not even her manager, yeah. essentially, but like her manager was on, still on vacation or whatever. Yeah, a lot of this happened on the holiday. So Correct. they didn't have a chance to yeah, address it. Yeah, it was known. And then like when a lot of the uh, pushback that they were seeing on social media from fans and outcrying, because the perception from a fan standpoint is that this is a customer uh, brand relationship. 
you know yeah where it's like hey we're we're the customer we're right and you're rude to a customer and it's like they the equivalence that's being placed here is like if you work at walmart and you're rude to a customer you should get fired if you work at a restaurant and you're rude to a customer you should get fired but it's like she wasn't on the clock is a very important she wasn't on the clock and then even in some of those instances you might be put on disciplinary review right So. so yeah and she was fired, and not only was she fired, a co-worker of hers, uh, Peter Fries, was also fired for defending her, actually commenting about, like, yeah, yeah like, her experience is totally yeah. apropos to the experience of women in the industry, and kind of went on, it was, like, even my perspective, like, I do not have as much of a, a, a difficult time as, like, again, I'm paraphrasing what I've heard, and <laughs> what I've read, actually. Uh, I didn't have time to gather his tweets in here. I definitely gathered some mm-hmm. shit from Jessica, including um, her statements after her firing, essentially. But basically he's a bystander in this situation from where I stand, from mm-hmm. my opinion. And I just want to take a second. I just want to take a second back and be like me and Daniel, we do this podcast. Up? This is a hobby of ours. This is what we like doing. We're interested in industry events. We're interested in the inner workings of the industry where we, we are, we are fans of a product. Mm-hmm. We're going to put that out there. We uh, have not made a game. We comment on it uh, and we drop some opinions, but I will never say that I totally understand the inner workings of, of a corporation that I do not belong to uh, or how they operate or what they value or make judgments based off of their values. But I think in, in talking about video games and the things we love, we do have to have a critical behind the scenes hand at times and really discuss the stories that people might not know about or what happens mm-hmm. before these games get brought to you. And that's so. like, and that comes with a degree of like us just speculating about certain things and yeah. dropping our thing. But I'd never want to come across like we know better than people that actually do these jobs. I never want that to be the message that we're sending out, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, we're just talking heads. You could take our, uh, opinions with a grain of salt. You could fucking leave. Correct. Like, that, that's, 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 that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Thank you. Eloquently put, like <laughs> yeah. you can, if, if you don't like what we're saying, or if you feel like, Hey dude, you don't know enough to be making these fucking opinions. That's cool, man. That it's just our opinions. Yeah. It's our opinions. That's what it is. I just want to be super, super clear. Like it's true. We're fucking nobodies is what I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. But we like this industry, we care about this industry, and we have, you know, some knowledgeability about yeah. what's going on. Not to say that we have any, like, uh, as a trade, that we know what the fuck's going on. We just, like, hear yeah. stories. That's it. But this Jessica Price thing is just, it's so interesting, and it's such a... Mm-hmm. It feels new in the way the gameplay communities are kind of emergent now amongst the products. Like, Guild Wars 2, like, Overwatch, like, Fortnite, it is a very alive game experience. A lot mm-hmm. of that shit uh, with the community or Q&A customer stuff. That happens, like, round the clock on the fly. So, like, they're always communicating with teams and all that. And it's a very live thing. So, so I, I think, okay, so this... This kind of um, perceived ownership that we see from certain segments of fan bases mm-hmm. of like this this relationship because that these developers and these people that work in this industry that create a product that has generated fans, they perceive that the, because they have access to them, mm-hmm. they should dictate that access. So if they're upset about something that an employee says online, well, okay, well, you represent your company and that's a bad image, you should get fired. That that is the argument that's yeah. coming, you know, from that that's <laughs> bubbling up here, and that I I think this entire situation sets a very a very negative precedent going forward. I really hope that's not the outcome of this, but we are like hearing rumblings of like people just re- being reactionary to this, where it's just like, okay, well, my account's going private. Uh, apparently, my private thoughts and opinions uh, reflect of my company twenty four seven. I'm doing free PR for them, apparently. Mm-hmm. 
that's what this is. That's what this is about, and that's what's kind of fucked up. She doesn't yeah. work in PR. She doesn't. No, like, and she the band the even though her account time. Uh, it was not a private locked account, she mm-hmm. still considers it a private account, and she's right. right. Like. I don't know if she's the sort of community developer where she will respond to people, answer questions about the game development, stuff like that. I guess when you're doing that, well, yes, obviously, she, even in this situation, yes, yeah, she does respond to so to y- people. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you are involving with the community. You're being a face of the company in a way. But I just, it's such a hard distinction to make. Really, because especially but, even for us on such a very micro level that we we are essentially putting ourselves out there with this podcast you know the way that we engage with twitter a lot that's kind of like our main avenue yeah. uh for it's for our reach essentially and we sometimes you take these calculated risks and mm-hmm. that that's weird that it feels that way these days where it's just like did did i've been okay so for me i've been trying to be entirely cognizant of like am i representing this brand that we've slowly started to create it well the mm-hmm. save room yeah you know where it's like if i say something really like kind of fucking punchy mm-hmm. about a punchy little opinion something little like that that's really snide yeah. about like a game or some shit is that me just being critical of them and because i want to see a change and i still like like that or am i just being a dick am i just like so that's why i've, I've tried to encourage like more positivity I've... of how we outwardly look i feel like when you are out there there is that you have to be cognizant because it's like, especially in correlation to the gaming industry, because it is all this fan base is spread around an interactive medium. Mm-hmm. So that interaction translates to a lot of things that fans do, including access on Twitter. Cause that's kind of like a social game, man. You it know? is. We, there's even like uh, merits that you get retweets and likes and you can track that. And it's it, for some people it turns into a game of how you get the most, how do you get that? And then, other people engage with it a different way mm-hmm. in that, hey, suddenly I have access to somebody like who writes this game that I like. Mm-hmm. They're going to hear me finally. <laughs> Let me say something. It's fair. It's a point of accessibility that we didn't otherwise have because like, okay, how do we contact uh, people in the industry back then? I guess maybe meet and greets, maybe uh, conventions, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. It's they Like in the 90s, it wasn't that easy to just like get in your uh, favorite developers' DMs and talk methodology with them or critique them um i think to what you're saying it is all in how you put it out there i think we as a brand if we were ever to say something like dickish or schneid if somebody came at us it's all in how you respond and i think people respond to to good response obviously in a good way like you're thinking like oh yeah they might have said this broad sweeping thing that i don't agree with but i respect how they approached it after Mm -hmm. so i think it's just she jessica price i i will always respect people for sticking to their guns the the brazen attitude that you don't tell me how to do my job mindset i respect it's just it becomes so muddy when like i would agree she was off the clock but then you could always say that well she's representing the company by, around the by clock. talking about and having conversations yeah, openly it, about that yeah. if if she had said that like off the cuff like and I, she she did she didn't necessarily mm-hmm. like originally be um uh, what's the word vitriolic about it she was just saying something and then when this dude came out um the the streamer um then she was like she made the, the asset comment but her reaction is is like so you know this lacks context because people are like looking at the singular conversation interaction and i agree if you judge it on that basis yeah it makes yeah it's like oh wow this guy kind of came in dropped his opinion and she snapped but yes. if you actually like remove the lens and this is what she's been trying to say is that she has to deal with this all of the time day in and day yeah. out yeah it's a 24 7 and thing. this guy was just one more fucking like needle on that stack of needles that have been like you know you have to worry about when you're a woman in this position it's fair it could have been anybody else that she like 
I, I'm going to put this in quotes, like, blew up on, because I don't think she necessarily, like, blew up. I don't think so, too. Like, um, I, I think... That, I think yeah, there's she, an exaggeration to what happened. Kind of rude, and it was purposely rude, but, yeah. like, you know, she has that right, man. But yeah. at the same time, you know, freedom of speech, we always talk about, it's like, doesn't Important. mean you can say absolutely everything you want, or as in to say, I don't mm-hmm. mean to say there's any restrictions on your speech, it's just that freedom of speech, but with con- consequence. I think in this instance, she should have been put on disciplinary review and given the chance to apologize and move forward from it. I feel like it was so hasty for... Uh, yeah, ArenaNet's Arena reaction. Net to, it, it, it felt knee-jerk. And they Okay, so O'Brien even tried to say, like, I know it looks like we were reacting to the backlash, but we knew about this on the 4th and kind of decided she should go. But when, you know, it blew up on the 5th, I know it yeah. seems that way. No, dude, it's you reacted hastily to even say that you had a fucking two-day window to be like, she's gone. <laughs> like, you didn't have a chance to have that conversation. Her manager apparently wasn't there. Why didn't you wait to kind of, like, weigh that in? Because if anyone's going to know anything about her performance and her professionality and her, like... It would be her manager. It would be her manager. So the- this guy came in and was just like, I saw a tweet, fuck you. You're, he even said to her face, like, you ruined our image, you know? Like, what the fuck? So, it's interesting. She notes, uh, Jessica Price, in one of her, I think, parting tweets before she went on vacation, because she's taking, Mm -hmm. like, an extended hiatus from developing and doing whatever. I'm sure she'll get picked up from a job um, somewhere along the line, or maybe start her own thing. Um, She's clearly, like, very talented. But she was saying, when she went to ArenaNet initially, she was very skeptic. Um, And then they welcomed her like a family, and supported her through a lot of projects and and years with them. I think she's been working with them for, what, 10 years? Um, And then to have them treat her this way, it's just like, it felt like the ultimate betrayal. And I, I recommended people come to ArenaNet that they, they work for this company and boasted for him and she's like in this experience like it makes me think otherwise like I shouldn't recommend people for this because this is how they treat you in the mm-hmm. long run and it's just like yeah it's it she even said after this a lot of uh, 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 contacts that she had in the industry were reaching out to her and saying we're gonna start uh, even including recruiters we're yeah gonna, we're gonna start uh, steering people away from ArenaNet because it is obviously not a safe environment there. and so this brings up questions about where she even mentioned where it's like again so they really laid out the intention or or the appearance that they were fine with how she operated on her off time mm-hmm. with social media, especially being out there because I'm sorry. Set the precedent already. I'm, I'm sorry because of the nature of this business. I mentioned it to you like last time when we did the stupid legal litigations yeah. uh, thing. I was like, well, one of the things we're talking about, that PUBG versus uh, Epic Games lawsuit mm-hmm. – this kind of shit happens all the time in the world of business. The only the only reason that it's news and the only reason I'm fucking saying anything about it is because it's gaming. Mm-hmm. Gaming has such a spotlight on it because of that interactivity with sure. its fans. So they interact with every aspect of it, including events and public figures. And that's kind of... Whew, that's hard. Mm-hmm. And companies aren't preparing. Gaming companies especially aren't preparing their like, employees for... What happens? What's the recourse? What do we do for you? What are the best practices for interacting with fans? Like she was, a, it's going to happen. She was a tenured designer too. So imagine like somebody new, like fresh out of college, like they come to a company and like they, that president isn't set. Like how do you navigate and handle yourself on a social media platform, a platform that your company that you uh, work for probably encourages you to be on mm-hmm. actively. So they need to set expectations and, and ground rules because, like, that fly the, the stuff. Unless, like, you're using, like, abhorrent racial slurs or bad language or whatever you're doing, uh, you should obviously be held contemptible for that sort of stuff. And I, but, I, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Okay. I, and this inflammatory kind of or fucking 
This huge reaction, this very quick and hasty reaction that ArenaNet had, yeah. again, sends sends a fucking bad precedent because people are worried about their positions in their current companies and thinking like, like even my, like I was, we, we both work for huge corporations, like full disclosure. I don't want to get into like what I do and all that shit because I think that's respectful, but I am careful about, you know, even still where it's like, hey, I'm off the clock and like, you know, this is my private accounts. I'm still very mindful of not yeah. saying anything I, that would compromise what my, basically, let's put it down. Anything that my company would be like, yo, we have to have a conversation about this. I stray away from that because I know that is a best practice for myself because I've seen little nightmare stories like this pop up. And this one is just like, we've had shit like this happen before. Remember Adam Orth? Mm -hmm. Adam Orth, who worked for Xbox and right before Xbox One came out, he was talking about the always online capability, which Xbox or Microsoft more appropriately fucking backpedaled on because Mm -hmm. of the poor reaction. He was just talking about like trying to explain and defend his position and and the ideals of where Xbox was heading with that. Okay, Mm -hmm. perfectly fine. It doesn't matter. So what's irrelevant is whether or not you agreed with it. But what people were looking on, it was his reaction where he said, deal with it. You know, because he got upset and he had, he was tired of fucking trying to like, you know, fan the flames. And yeah. to be honest, the way that streaming and online capability goes, like a couple of years, that whole on, always online shit is going to be the wave of the future. But Xbox positioned it fucking poorly. And also, again, we always talk about this, where we're at with our network connections and internet speeds does not support that vision currently. Mm-hmm. I would, I still feel that. I still feel we're not there, you know? But I'll, I'll put that out there. But, you know, again, point is, dude was talking about his company on his private account to kind of explain to people because, hey, fans have access to him. And he's like, I'm going to respond because I'm a person. Yeah. And people didn't like his response. And what happened was people wanted his head on a pike after that, mm-hmm. essentially, just because it was like, oh, well, it turns out the uh, the employee at this company here is being uh, rude to a fucking customer who's saying stupid shit. And it's just like the company has to react uh, accordingly is how a customer would feel. Right. Yes. But but is that the same shit where it's like, oh, hey, I'm on a fucking train and some some guy in front of me is just like, you know, I don't know, he, he checked me or something like when he's walking by or I just like he said some shit that's goofy. Mm-hmm. And I figure out like, oh, this guy works for uh, Target. I'm going to call Target and tell him uh, he should be fired for an interaction outside of work. I feel like that's a dangerous discussion, too, you know? Uh, it's, <laughs> I think that's a harder one to always prove in the moment. Yeah. Social media, there's such an imprint there. And especially with the way communities work. I don't offhand know how large Guild Wars community is, but I imagine it is in the millions. Um, So there is a large community there. And communities, they can have powerful mobs behind them. So the fact that uh, they came after that guy and they came after Jessica Price here, like, I think there's more power than that behind, other than somebody being like, oh yeah, that person checked me. Like, that's that's different. Um, I just, I feel like, arena net reacted just too suddenly to the community i I do respect that they're listening um and want to uh honor their product in the community because that game is nothing without their fan base obviously but i think they were just like like we said a little too hasty and i think this situation would have shaked out entirely differently if like you earlier said like if she was male or any other circumstance so I just want to assert my position, but again, it's purely my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. You can be like, fuck that. That doesn't align with what I like, and that's perfectly fine. You have that right to feel that way, but I just want to say it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, An audience can pay for a product. They are not paying to own people's time, attention, or even their politeness. You have to understand that. Yeah. 
you have to set up that wall because we all engage with social media in the same way. But now, now this is setting incorrect standards, I feel, where it's like, oh, wait, wait, if you work for a company, shut that profile the fuck down. You don't get to have that life anymore. It's almost like what celebrities have to go through once they become such a huge public figure. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, of course, because they're out there. But I'm just like, these people are like designers yeah, and devs. It's, people that aren't trained to be PR people. Let's let's put this in context. They're not in customer service. Bingo! Like, it, whether they were at one point or they never have been, they are part of a development design team doing whatever they do. It is not their job to handle the public. That is not part of their job description. Mm-hmm. Unless they are in public events at uh, conventions or expoing things or, you know, interacting with fans. Like, when they're doing their own personal downtime stuff, like, that is not time owed to anybody else but themselves. And it just... It creates such an interesting atmosphere and landscape for like, well, are developers ever off the clock then? Like if you're always representing this company, even if you're not on the customer service end, then how do you get around these situations? Not respond to them? Take the path of like, you know, least resistance or just have private accounts totally. It's just, it's new and it's it's a it's going to take a lot of different shape over the next few years, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people are... People are shaking. They're shaking. And then we're hearing these fucking attack campaigns coming out of it that stem from this. This, mm-hmm. this is the connection, essentially, where uh, there was this one instance where a big uh, company was getting uh, uh, emails, like, within the hundreds. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm paraphrasing this whole fucking You want me to find the actual story? I'm going right into the docs. I'm figuring out uh, what's happening. Creating a good, cohesive workflow. It's really, it's a good yeah. shit. Here we go, found it. So this is actually on Kotaku. I know a lot of you fucking hate it. That's you. So uh, Kotaku.com, this is actually written by Nathan Grayson. The article is, The ArenaNet Catastrophe Has the Whole Game Industry Rethinking Harassment Policies. And I just want to take some snippets out of it, but again, you should really, really, really go read the whole article. Nathan fucking summed up what the situation is very nicely. Um, Let's go, 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 go. Let's see... Tell me thoughts while I pick out some good sweet picks from this, okay? I, th- I think I got most of them there. I th- I wanted to say you were talking about um, one of the creative directors or um, program leads who works for Capcom, right? He was like one of the original people for um, Resident Evil 2. Um, right, And right. then he went on to work for, or found Platinum Games. Found Platinum Games. So we, we're going to, I feel like this is an interesting parallel. Um, a, Jessica Price, developer on a team, female. Um, already prone to being harassed on the internet, all this other stuff. Um, we have this guy. What's his name? Uh, Hideki Kiyama. Hideki Kiyama. I verify. Hang on. One of the founders of Platinum Games. Um, he will similarly go on Twitter and uh, online. Yeah, Hideki uh, Kamiya. And I'm butchering that, sorry. He will be outwardly rude to people on Twitter. Um, it's almost encouraged. People love it. They love it. He'll tell them to fuck off. Stop asking me about Bayonetta. Like, yeah. Literally, they'll be like, fuck off, or I'll block fuckheads. And people right. will, like, applaud and fucking rub their bellies and laugh. But when Jessica is somewhat rude to a fan, mm-hmm. they want her fired. Suddenly, one voice out of a company of, like, I assume hundreds. Yeah represents the entire company i think that's an instance of false equivalence would you say i think it's false equivalence and i think it just reeks of just the maliciousness that we found in uh things like gamergate in the past Mm. like 
uh, just people, the willingness to attack and discredit. So this article that Nathan Grayson wrote kind of plays into that. Um, So there's a ripple effect that he describes. Uh, So prices firing produced ripples. Women in game development have pointed to upswings in abuse and organized calls for firing since the incident. Uh, Hazel Munforton, a narrative designer for Arcane Studios, who recently talked about developers being harassed out of jobs after refusing to act like, quote, customer service hotlines, end mm-hmm. quote, tweeted images of a petition calling for her firing and a user messaging Arcane to say that she, quote, verbally abused, end quote, them. She says, I told him to leave me alone. This is what these people think they can do to us now. And moving on, there's another one that was... mm, This one hurt to find out. Another developer who chose to remain anonymous faced an especially coordinated attack, albeit an incompetently handled one. The company this developer freelances for, she told uh, told Kotaku in a DM, uh, received a, a, quote, three-digit numbers worth of letters complaining that it was morally wrong to hire a transgender that the quality of the studio's games had gone down since she and another woman were hired, and that her Twitter account set a bad example for the letter writer's children who supposedly play this game. For a brief period of time, the developer said her CEO was ready to tell her boss to fire her. Then, another employee realized something was amiss with the letters. Quote, 50 or so of them glitched out with a lot of variables exposed, including percentage female name." as if a placeholder for whoever's female name. Okay. Okay? Said the developer. This made it clear that the letters were simply form letters with blank spaces for the name of any woman that the mob wanted to attack. A deeper look at the names and emails associated with the letters went to Facebook bot profiles and people whose profiles indicated associations with Gamergate or 4chan. So is this... There's another layer to the situation. Is this about Price being rude to a customer and misrepresenting ArenaNet? And the Guild Wars brand? Because... Or is it because she's a woman? I... I'm leaning towards... It's because 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 she's a woman. woman. And And that's all that mattered in this conversation to a huge segment. Because... A concerningly big segment. Flip the chair a little bit. Um, The the male co-worker who went down with her just for defending her. Imagine he made these initial statements. I feel like there wouldn't have been nearly the response. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that's like I just I agree. I feel like it is completely um, imbalanced, and I think yeah, people tend to have a reaction to women in the mm-hmm. industry, whether it's out of respect or being antagonistic or whatever. Um, whether it's this stuff or the extreme measures of uh, doxing, uh, harassing, threatening, like I don't understand like the limitations of community sometimes because I I love hmm. to think that everybody will do good and be good um, and choose to support the things they love and maybe have the sense to just walk away from the things they don't. You look at the stuff that's happening with this. You look at the stuff that happened last month with Kelly Marie Tran and the Star Wars um, debacle with her being the last Jedi and people basically bullying her off social media just because they thought she ruined the movie when it's just like, well, she was just a female actor in it who you chose to target and it was more Ryan Johnson than her, if anything. So just back off. I just, so, I just want to... Uh, I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to say, though... We need, as a fandoms, to stop targeting individuals and holding them responsible yeah. for the works of many. Even if it's not the, like, oh, I just hate that there's a woman. Yeah. Or, like, they're, here, fun, there's a woman to target. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not that for you. Even if it's just, like, I really did have a problem with that character and I feel like she hurt the movie. You're going after the actress that didn't yeah. fucking write this movie. Okay? 
You didn't go after any of the male actors who maybe made it bad. You chose to target her because why? Your hate is not only misguided, it is... (laughs) It's ignorant. And I don't know... It's just... It's a tough call because I've seen strength in numbers in the Twitch community mm-hmm. and the Twitter communities and the, the, the power of numbers. And I'm not just sure if like that's just the sort of atmosphere these platforms cultivate. Um, if it's certain people who drive the force of many. I don't know what it is, but it just needs to stop because it's unfair, for one, um, for her to be harassed, uh, for, for initially even being told how to do her job and then all the extremes that came after, like, is that really necessary? Do you really have to be like that? <sighs> it's not a feel-good subject. No, it is There's not good answers to it because the thing that, like, I think about that worries me is that I've I've always thought it true that uh, the loudest voices are the fewest. You know? Yeah. Where with somebody's just fucking doggone saying some horrible shit, you know? And they're loud about it mm-hmm. and persistent about it is another factor that it's like, oh, well, they don't represent the majority of fans and people that really dig on what's going on. Sometimes they're not as vocal because they're afraid of being attacked by these people. Yeah. But you know what? I'm starting to think it's not the fewest, man. I feel like there's a, there's a lot of numbers out there of people that have these, these poor mentalities uh, that don't tolerate mm-hmm. other people of creeds and genders and races just don't want it. And it's... They use so many misdirects to fucking be like, no, it's about this. No, it's about ethics. No, it's about this. And it's like, stop, dude. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> There's so many. I hear it so often. Uh, In this situation, mm-hmm. who do you think bears the most responsibility or like handled it uh, the worst? Like, do you think it was ArenaNet? Because they, I think every party acted out of turn in one way or another. Sure. I, I, I feel like Jessica Price uh, mm-hmm. is not a load-bearing wall here. She doesn't deserve all the weight that's coming down on her. Like, oh, certainly not. Um, so I would say either the reaction from the community or ArenaNet. Like, how... again, I will say if I said something that uh, my company felt was super out of turn, yes. I would hope that there would be a pathway, even if it is like, hey, man, we need to put you in a performance plan or something like that. We need to really like think about how we're going to go forward with this. We want to correct this well, behavior because we don't want to lose you. But it, I would not be surprised if they're like, we have to let you go. Let's look you know what at... I'm so that's why I'm careful about certain things that I say. For sure. Let's look at a parallel of something that happened in the industry what was it, a year, a few months ago. What's that? Uh, based off of community backing and reaction here. Um, the stuff that happened with Call Moriarty and kind of funny. Mm. Um, the sort of reactions people had to his International Women's Day treat, uh, which, you know, he stands by and I he's had a career um, because of it and in spite of it and all that. And, you know... No, he has he has a lot of support. I will got, not take that away. I no. will not try to downplay that. He has a voice that people like yeah. to hear. His his new podcast is, like, probably one of the number one hits on, like, SoundCloud. The numbers are fucking right. skyrocketing. The PlayStation podcast, right? Uh, yeah, uh, Sacred Symbols. It's, it's new, it's emerging, it's two episodes in. But, um... Mm-hmm. So there was a reaction when that went up where he just kind of found it. He's like, I don't think it's that offensive. Um, people were joining in on the podcast. Outside. Yeah. He's like, I don't even find it that offensive. It's just a joke. But people on the internet are just sensitive. And then Greg Miller being the sort of um, bleeding heart of the community. Cause it's like he, he very empathetic, very, that yeah. he is nothing yeah. without the kind of funny community. For sure. And he's like, well, Colin, in that moment, he was representing our brand and, you know, whether it was a conversation where he was fired or they mutually agreed. I don't know. I think Colin probably just left on his own volition. That's just probably what he did. Yeah. But it, it was the sort of thing where, well, 
they couldn't move forward with that because he was representing the brand. And we've, we've seen things like that before. So mm-hmm. it's, but that was a completely different situation. Especially for Colin, especially he was a founder of that organization. Yeah. I feel like, yes, I can, I can accept that you would consider what a founder of a company says to represent the brand. Yes. And so if he is, especially since kind of funny's case is that their entire business is based on online content creation mm-hmm. they which has a huge degree of interactivity comments on youtube you can be on twitter you can fucking be on instagram you can be on twitch you can give tips on twitter like it's all about being super connected to this group of individuals mm-hmm. so of course when you say something that people don't agree with it's i mean it's out there dude yeah <laughs> it's completely out there it's not just like a, a little snide comment that you're throwing into the dark you know that i feel like that's a benefit sometimes being just like a nobody <laughs> i mean uh, online it's nice to be able to get away with some yeah. shit without as much scrutiny yeah not to say for that, now <laughs> not this yeah exactly not to say that i'm not completely like cognizant i'm, I'm trying i really do try not to say stupid shit or say anything that would be misconstrued or hurt somebody yeah that's the last thing that i want to well, have happen especially just, with our brand we're not the those sort of people were not outwardly malicious we mm-hmm. can just we can be assholes on the things that we say because we like to joke and sometimes we joke hard right um and even if we mean it and offend somebody we'll apologize because that's just like i don't know it's a, that's what having character is about so you own those sort of things just but, so just stepping out of the situation which is growing it's ongoing i'm hearing worrying things especially based off of nathan grayson's article I want to kind of be like, so what can we learn going forward? And I think about Arena's reaction in part, and it's true, um, more resources added to informing employees, especially in the gaming industry, actually probably specifically tailored to the gaming industry, uh, about interactions and best practices if they feel that's necessary. And then uh, the employee or potential prospective employee can look at those terms up front and be like, no, that doesn't align with what I want to do or I feel this mm-hmm. is like, you know, what is mo- morally or politically correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I don't want to be politically correct, you know? So it's like, I'm not going to sign this contract. Mm-hmm. That needs to start being built into these, I feel, uh, especially tech companies. They're all tech companies, dude. Uh, yeah. Every I video mean, game developer is a tech company and it's a different industry and it's a different focus and it brings a different yeah. crowd. So of course, even if it's not fair... That, and I totally agree. You shouldn't be doing free PR for your company. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. Even though it's not fair, you have to be cognizant and aware that that spotlight is there regardless until we yeah. figure out something better. And I do think regardless of the industry, like, yes, it is the merging of tech and video games and other communities. But um, conduct needs to be a thing, too. Like, you mm. can't be, like, openly inflammatory and, and shitting on people and, and being an asshole uh, directly and attacking people. Like, that's cause for, you know severance obviously um but this there needs to be more careful vetting with these newer onboards and trainees and they they need to be that's two-way street reinforced for it for sure that's two-way street like the company needs to be completely transparent about the fact that hey we have standards about conduct that you need to be aware of going forward and you can say yeah or nay to this job position Mm -hmm. knowing that okay like, I feel that's what it is. And then on the other side, they need to listen to the feedback of employees that are just like, well, this is what I've seen and I need a recourse yeah. for when these incidents occur. Do I go to you first because you're protecting me? Because I'm doing brand work for you? Yeah. You know, like, what's going to happen? Like, and there needs to be a middle ground between corporation and uh, individual entities. I think... For sure. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that there, too. And I think the ArenaNet thing was, I don't think they truly wanted to let her go 
Um, I think they oh, just... Oh, Mike O'Brien's one person in that cog. Yeah. Of many cogs. I'm losing the cog thing, but he is one person in that company. Yeah. Okay? <clears throat> Who knows? She, obviously, Peter Fry supported her. Yeah. He lost his job because of it, and that makes this situation another dimension worse. I hate that. I hate that fact that... Again, because he seems like a bystander mm-hmm. in this situation. Same same rules apply to him. Yeah. He was off the clock, and he was just fucking commenting yeah. on something his friend said rather than what he actually so, said. Yeah, so those and two he people. Was fired. And even in the instance with Colin Moriarty, I'm sure these companies don't want to let these people go. But when there's a huge reaction by the community, who they have to have a reaction. Like whether they're back or, via or, buying yeah. games or crowdfunding or going out to community events, like they are owed at least the livelihood of what they're business is based off of because it's nothing without the community um we can do our thing all we want but once we start to grow we owe it to the people who are involved with it and that's true they shape, after a point they start to shape it that, so mm-hmm, i think it mm-hmm. became more of an image thing point. with these companies where it's like yeah they didn't want to let go of their friends or their valued writers or developers like they just wanted their brand to continue to succeed and they felt like in these moments that was at risk so was very well put sir <laughs> I, I refuse no, i'm just saying like that that was that was very eloquent yes thank you yeah i refuse to believe thank you for being you <laughs> that people want to lose good talent but it's just like okay right. well uh, a bad tweet from an employee is one thing away from us being a continuously prosperous thing or people jumping ship to the next thing that doesn't offend them mm-hmm. so and i i think um companies need to also think about what they feel like is a great plan of action to when these instances pop up and make their employees very aware like this is what because like a lot of companies had like hey you get a verbal a verbal escalates to a written and that written you yes. can only get like one or two before it's yeah. like hey you're out the door nobody has that for social media like that literally they're just like overnight you gotta be fired mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there's nothing to prepare jessica for this event yeah i mean well yeah there's but even in customer, I've been working in customer service for most of all of my adult working life. So probably like, 38 years, like 14, 13, 14 years, 47 uh, years. <laughs> I've seen people say a lot of things to customers and not lose their jobs. If you maybe physically assault a customer, sure. I, I feel like that's grounds for immediate termination, but um, I've been parts of teams. I've seen things cursorily that like similar things, uh, barista or whoever is rude to a customer and they get yelled at the customer's like i want you fired where's your manager where's your district manager your district manager's manager where's the global manager like i need all their fucking names i want you gone and even it comes down to that person sitting down with their superior and maybe their district manager and it gets talked about and they get put on a like probationary term or something like that there's no immediate like well you gotta go Mm -hmm. because i think something like that it's like well people are still gonna shop here because an instant reaction seems short-sighted in some instances and i feel like that's appropriate for certain things like hey if i if i went to look here's an imaginary scenario i went to starbucks Mm -hmm. i ordered my normal thing a venti ice white mocha with Mm -hmm. soy because milk hurts my tummy sure lactose intolerant yeah and uh when the instead of asking for my name to put on the cup the barista just stabs me to death (laughs) i feel like yes that person should not have their job I'm sorry, I've seen that happen at least once in uh, okay. in downtown Orlando. So that's like, hey, no three strikes rule for that, man. True. So it's like, but it's about like, I know it takes time and I know it takes effort, but it's about having complexity to your criteria for you need to think about these situations and possible situations going forward based mm. off of the fucking data that you have from events like Jessica Price, Adam Orth, mm. you know, uh, and everything that we're seeing 
with this fucking Reddit bullshit, you know, uh, <laughs> where they're fucking sending form letters to get women fired. That's just insane to me. Like, do you not have anything better to do with your fucking time? I couldn't, like, I couldn't <laughs> imagine. Know. Like, I, that in my time, time, I'm just like, I just want to play video games or maybe sleep or maybe <laughs> piss off and do whatever. But, like, I couldn't imagine, like, going out of my way to just intentionally ruin somebody's career. Um, it, it takes a heavy amount of detractors to do that. And I just, I get that inflammatory people exist. Um, and I guess, like we said, there's two resolutions to this. Companies need to better flesh out models for how people interact on social media. And then it's in the community as well. We need to not jump to attacking and lynching and tearing people down uh, just because we want to discredit them or because we don't necessarily agree with their art. That's it. That's that's all it comes down to. That's what it is. Yeah. We got to think about best practices going forward. That's yeah. it. I do want to end with a note uh, from one of the developers. It looks like it's uh, Gary Newman, actually, who did Gary Gary's mod. Here in my He's, car. Uh, he works for I Facepunch feel safe Studios. In my car. Uh, <laughs> not the same Gary Newman. Yeah. <laughs> Gary of Gary's mod, man. If you're a fan, you know as well. So his quote was, the people who play our games already think that they have the power to decide who we should and shouldn't fire, he said. If you give in to that, you're just encouraging it. That's true. So, hey man, it's been real good talking to you. Yeah? It's been great looking at your face. Thanks, dude. Uh, You're just, you're you're handsome. You're a handsome man. I feel like mildly handsome today. Tomorrow I'm going to look a little haggard if I don't like shower or shave a little bit, but you know. But I think this one's coming to an end. I think so. You got any housekeeping that you want to throw out to the kids there? Sorry, the Save Roommate. If you don't already, please uh, give us a shout out on uh, Twitter, at Save Room Show. Uh, we are trying to keep busy on there in between episodes. Yeah. Uh, we find that it is a very fun and engaging platform, and we're liking the sort of content that we're able to put out for you guys. Um, so if you don't follow us there, please hit us up, or I don't even know if you made it to the end of this episode, if you have uh, your shirts in the mail. Um, also, so small. Hit us up on uh, Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv. Yeah, slash, uh, for me, Dungeons and Daniels. For Kevin, it is the Red Herb. Um, the Red Herb. You can catch us uh, at any time. Herb, streaming herb, whatever. Herb. <laughs> we need a soundboard. So uh, herb, herb, herb. But other than that, yeah. uh, not much else. Um, <laughs> if, if Also, if you made it that far, um, we also want to yeah. have a level of engagement where if you guys have questions, uh, read or mail sort of deal. Um, let we us would know, love that. Let us know your week. thoughts, um, something you want to hear us talk about, topics, uh, questions you might have. Uh, how does Kevin stay so damn smarmy uh, or do that thing with his hair? Uh, yep. We can answer all those on air for you. Can't, can't give them the playbook, dude. Listen. Not about the hair. They're their roommates. They're in our room. They're going to see it. Because, uh, little hint, mm-hmm. it took a certain kind of ritualistic sacrifice to get this hair perfect every day. All right? Was it a blood ritual? It involves some blood. Okay. It involves some more blood. <laughs> that's, what happened to you in the defilement that's, dungeon? That's all I can get into, dude. Jesus. That's all I can get into. It's, it's serious with this blood administration shit. Uh, but let's land this one home. So thank you for your ears. We have been seeing some really cool traction, and it's been really cool engaging with you guys. And uh, again, all we want to do is foster a cool environment for you guys and a cool community and all that shit. Yeah. Uh, we're really... Just honestly, like, we are very thankful for anyone that's put ears to us, that anyone's even, like, reached out to us and been like, yo, dude, that's, that's cool shit. Just even if it's a comment where it's like, yeah, you guys are guys. We'd <laughs> 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 be like, thanks, dude, we are, man. Oh, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
We would like to, once again, I guess, thank our sponsors, uh, Souls Born and Souls Like. Yep. For uh, keeping us afoot for one more bi weekly episode. Uh, Souls Born and Souls Like. Keeping the mics hot. With, with only half the bite and, and cut of your regular liquors. <laughs> Praise the fun. Praise the fun. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Remember to hunt responsibly. <laughs> nice. All right, goodbye, guys. Have a good night, everyone.